0: Hey, Danny. Do you hear yes. us,
1: TJ? Yes.
0: Oh, thank Holy God. stuff. Oh, my um, God.
1: I have a 15-pound cat in here somewhere, so I might have to let him out at some point, but he's, like, okay. behind my dresser, so. That's so <laughs> of
0: caffeine um well coffee when i can get it but yeah i, I, I don't have that very often uh, i i i like those bullshit uh frappuccino bottles like they sell those at my, they, that, that's all the starbucks that sell at my school oh, okay so i actually scratch that there's actually a couple of starbucks locations on campus but um. starbucks is fine but it's like starbucks is fine um as far as like big coffee chains, I prefer uh, Coffee Bean. Or is that what is that what it's called? Um, yeah.
1: I, we don't have those here, so I don't
0: know. Okay.
1: Dunkin' Donuts has better coffee than Starbucks too.
0: So. Uh, a, a Dunkin' Donuts. Better a, than Dunkin' Donuts just opened in um, downtown Los Angeles. I've never been I to it though.
1: Recommend their coffee.
0: It's good. I'm not gonna drive all the way down there for Dunkin' Donuts, but. Um,
1: if you're in the neighborhood and you're tired
0: all right. Which one of y'all is typing? Cause it's real loud. Oh, it's me. Sorry. It's
2: all, right. Right. all right. That's fine. I'll I'll uh I'll stop when uh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
1: it's like it, I loved incoherence when the.
2: <laughs> to be honest, I'm actually just replying to TJ on the forum right now. So. Oh.
0: Okay. What yeah. what what part? What part of Coherence was the... <laughs> oh, it was the part where... <laughs> no, I don't... I'm so confused, man. <laughs>
1: no, I was just saying that. You got me I off. Was, I, well, no. well uh, during yeah. an important discussion, if we were to start typing so the, the listeners couldn't hear... Oh,
0: that's not an <laughs> actual part of the... Yes. No, I was... I thought there was a part of the movie where... I don't know. Just also the, the engine noises. In the twist
1: and Frank, whenever we find out that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry.
3: Uh,
1: what are you replying to, Danny? Uh, <laughs> I'm replying.
2: <laughs> what are you replying? Uh, the thing about Mike D'Angelo. Oh okay. Mike, yeah. yeah.
0: Mike Danzo? Um,
2: uh the fuck is No, that? Uh, Mike D'Angelo.
1: Or at Gemco on Twitter. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) Remember who Magdi D'Angelo
1: is. He hates everything, but
0: but he's he's, oh, it's a it's a writer or something. He's a critic, yeah, and he's like he's
2: like preskews low with his scores, and he like is definitely pretty like harsh and stuff, but and not like a contrarian way. Like he he's he's really you know he's well spoken and he's intelligent Mm -hmm. and he gives pretty good reasons for like why he wouldn't like something and i don't always agree with him but i don't feel like oh mike you're just out to get everyone you know what i mean it's not it's not and white like not even, not
0: even close it were, it was for the dissolve right yeah uh yeah
2: but also, like, like, like tons of it. You're like the av club and he's like
0: oh friend. yeah okay dissolve. yeah I've, I've probably heard his name name around before but i'm just stupid yeah, yeah. he's
1: uh no i would totally agree he's not a contrarian he's very yeah. Well, well stated. And he would never write an article movies that are wrong with current's art like our civilization like Armand White just did. Oh,
3: there's like a,
1: there's a list out there. Movies that are everything that's wrong with our current civilization. <laughs> 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 the Dark Knight. And of course. And <laughs> it, Armand White. To,
0: what? Sorry, Sorry, go on. Like Armand White is just a weird guy. Yeah. I <laughs> I remember he once said that uh uh, uh he Grownups reminded him of Eric Romer. And, like, seriously? You, you're going to throw a French New Wave comparison with grownups? What the hell's wrong with you?
2: I mean, okay, if you want to be. Let's, let's play Devil's Advocate here. Yes. So, Chris Rock directed a movie called I Think I Love My Wife. Mm-hmm. And it was, like.
0: I think Louis C.K. Oh, okay.
2: off. Yeah, it was written with Louis C.K. I think. I'm thinking of the right movie here. It was based off an eric romer film so maybe
3: oh when armin wow. white
2: saw it he just kind of associated you know chris rock oh uh eric romer and just kind of like spit it out
0: <laughs> i don't know but that's like it's <laughs> like mega uh, nah,
2: I, that's I, the I, best I, thing i can think of to be honest with you
1: who's the who, who's the, the 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 comedian who's really short kevin hart uh you know he's had like <laughs> not he's had like nine movies this year right yeah, One was yeah. based on a David Mamet play.
2: Yeah, about, yeah, last, about night, last night. Okay, that
1: was that what we are talking about? What?
2: Uh, no, I'm uh, the, the Chris Rock movie, I mean, or uh... yeah.
1: Uh, so, so what's the Chris Rock movie? It's
2: called I Think I Love My Wife, and it oh, came okay. out like a few years ago. Okay. Um, I didn't see either of these films actually, but I heard about last night was like probably the best of the Kevin Hart movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Dude's so. kind of like I don't know about I don't know about Kevin Hart. He's oversaturated yeah. in the market. He's, he's, he's oversaturated uh, little, right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's. I think he can be really funny in like small doses. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. I forgot. I actually, I actually rented about last night, like a month, a month or two ago. So you were about like, to say last night. La- about last night. <laughs> yeah. It was it was fine for what it was. Like my mom wanted to see it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, there's some legit funny parts. Like Kevin Hart is, is uh, p- particularly great with Regina Hall, who I, I think is always really hilarious. Oh yeah, she's uh, saved a few terrible movies. Yeah, she she was the one character that I liked in um, the scary movie. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. She's also in Malibu's Most Wanted. That movie with Jamie Kennedy. Yeah,
2: it's like a oh, highly lovely baffling movie you know who's in that I mean, movie uh,
0: a classic
1: what
2: is um it, it's funny because i this was my introduction to this actor was malibus most wanted but it's ryan <laughs> O'Neal from uh you know oh, yeah. barry Lyndon and uh yeah
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Paper,
2: paper moon, paper moon yeah.
3: yeah
2: i just think that's hilarious because i'm gonna watch those yeah. movies and then i'm gonna think of <laughs> bill gluckman from uh malibus most wanted don't ask me how i remember the character <laughs> <laughs> even remember
3: the character's name <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh my God. So, like, is Malibu's Most Wanted your Zoolander for Terrence Malick?
2: <laughs> no, because Malibu's <laughs> Most Wanted is terrible. Honestly, your <laughs> Zoolander is probably my Zoolander for Terrence Malick. Zoolander true, is so um, funny.
0: My Zoolander uh, is Pootie Tang.
1: Well, but that's Louis C.K., so no one's going like, well, yeah. to, like, Oh, yeah, man, Pootie Tang, that's a deep cut.
0: Sada <laughs> <laughs> Sadatay. <laughs>
1: I've never seen Pootie Tang, to
0: be honest. Oh my God. Okay, well, Louis C.K.'s cut should have is what should have been existed. Like, like he dude really needs to make a director's cut because this you know the studio got in the way and they were gonna make a completely different type of movie. But even like the version that came out, <laughs> it's still one of my favorite one of my favorite dumbass comedies. <laughs> like I don't, I can't even describe some of the shit that happens in that movie. But <laughs> yeah
1: let's yeah. um i'm posting something on the board i want you guys to check it out real quick because it's that armand white uh it's that armand white thing that i was talking about oh, uh, sure okay. it's um so all this 20, is
0: going on the podcast by the way well, no yeah, yeah oh great yeah
1: this could be good stuff because um these are the 20 movies that, that pretty much will are everything wrong with with culture not just <laughs> yeah, this entertainment is already it comes listed here not okay not just enter- the entertainment but the twenty films listed here effectively destroyed art, social unity, and spiritual confidence. They constitute a corrupt, careless, politicized canon because Armand White uh does not like left wing uh movies at all. Um he Really? I, yeah, he, he, he is, I didn't know a, he
0: I I didn't know he was specifically anti left wing.
1: I believe he is the, he's a homosexual African American who hates the left wing. Um
0: That is such um, a bizarre
2: mix of
1: <laughs> but um because uh so good night good luck
0: um okay that's just, just like
1: okay
2: the dark there's a night. lot of movies like that here where i'm just like that offended you
1: that much The dark Knight, the batman myth used to undermine heroism overturn social mores and embrace anarchy so the movie <laughs> he believes the movie sides with the joker Ocean's yeah. 12, which, by the way, is a forgotten masterpiece. I was, <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. Ocean's 12 is one of yeah, the okay. – it is great.
0: I, I, that's um, the only Ocean's movie I haven't seen, actually. Just, There's a couple
2: Soderberghs in here. I know you're a fan of Soderbergh. TJ, oh, yeah. So,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I, Ocean's 12 is in my top five. And uh, Julia Roberts wow, playing really? person who's pretending to be Julia Roberts is one of the great meta jokes in the history. Huh.
0: Shit. Oh, I have yeah. to see, I just see this now.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, she kind of looks like Julia Roberts.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, we know the next one is Twelve Years a Slave. We what? oh, we all know about his yeah. reaction to that. We all one. know that mm-hmm. he hated that one. He like, this is he, the best one though, after Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> distorted the history of slavery while encouraging and continuing Hollywood's malign neglect of slavery's contemporary impact. Wait a minute, Eli-
2: so is he trying to say like you know slavery has had a pretty good impact? You know, we have to <laughs> not not painted the villain here. <laughs> And I also don't understand how it distorts the history of slavery when it's based pretty faithfully off a of memoir. Maybe. Like there are a few liberties, yeah, but
0: – Yeah, and yeah, you've read the memoir. So I,
2: I read it, yeah, right around the time I saw the movie. Yes,
0: yeah, so, yes. Yeah, and so, wrote a
2: paper on it, you
0: know. so. <laughs> so you specifically know what's in the memoir and what's not.
2: Yeah, memoir. it was few minor things that he changed, but nothing like that you could even come close to saying he distorted the history.
0: Okay, DJ, uh, move on to the next one because I'm really baffled by this. Number 5 is the best
1: one. Nihilism made uh, Wally. Wally. Nihilism made cute for children of all ages who know nothing about cultural history or how to sustain it. Oh my oh.
3: gosh. Nihilism that movie
1: is the opposite of nihilistic. It's a very moralistic movie. Yeah, like, it's, yeah it's
0: it's it's about human's potential kind of, you know, it's one of the few <laughs> yeah. anime movies I've seen that actually discovers that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: okay, the, the next one is I I've, I've never seen but Oh yeah. Yeah, nearby,
1: actually. Manderley, Lars Von Trier. I, I, I hear it's one of his uh, lesser reviewed movies. So yeah, it's
0: know. the it's the Dogville sequel. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I not the Dogville, but it, it looks absolutely fascinating. I got to see Dogville. It's on yeah. it's on sorry. Amazon Prime, so I got to. Yeah. No,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, I need to catch up on my early 2000s Von Trier. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, United. Oh, oh,
0: hold on, you didn't uh, you, you didn't read the blurb. Oh, sorry. Lars Von Trier. Uh, go on. Lars
1: von Trier's Dogville sequel sold American Self-Hatred back to us and the critics spawned
0: I've heard – I've actually heard that particular uh, criticism about Dogville and about Manderley from other sources. So I'm not going to immediately discredit him for that. It's not as ridiculous as the Wally or the Ocean's 12 sure, or whatever. Sure, that's, that's... – Ocean's 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like well, why would you pick Ocean's 12 and not just – well, because
1: it scoffs at the post-war conviction of synoptics. Yeah, life. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Um, yeah, United 93, I
1: haven't seen. Um, I liked Captain Phillips, so I probably will catch it some See, course.
0: I uh, – well, well, his blurb is it, it reduced the pain and tragedy of 9-11 to the inanity of a disaster movie. And the thing is I haven't seen this movie, but <laughs> I've always been kind of uncomfortable about seeing it because it like – it came out five years after 9-11. That's – I mean I think even nowadays it's too soon to make yeah. a movie about the things that actually happened on that day. Yeah. Five years, definitely too soon and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just, I'm sure it's a good movie otherwise but it just – the thought of seeing it right now kind of makes me feel icky inside. The,
1: uh, yeah.
0: I, I respect Paul
1: Greengrass thing. but it, oh. it does say something that someone that I'm related to once said after – uh here she watched this movie that oh I'm glad we're at war right now
0: because we need to get these guys oh my but I
1: don't know if they misread the I movie. I heard
0: I'm I'm guessing they might have because I heard that I heard the uh, I heard that he actually did a pretty good job about uh, you know humanizing the terrorists surprisingly
3: mm-hmm.
0: huh kind of the, kind of similarly as to how he did with um, Captain, Phillips, Captain yeah. Phillips yeah yeah um I feel like there's 20 of these. I don't think we can read the blurb for every one of them. So no, <laughs> yeah. no let,
1: let's just go down names: Frost, Nixon, whatever. Uh, knocked knocked
0: up. up because that's <laughs> been extremely socially relevant. <laughs> and
1: attacked maturity and prepare uh, pro- propriety.
0: Well, there's, yeah, the, the next one I
2: actually do think we should read the, the uh, blurb. Yes, all right. All right. Yes, the social
1: says. Sh- yeah, you read it, Danny. <laughs> it,
2: it says David Fincher's new Horatio. Horatio Alger, I'm probably totally butchering that name, but it it's Horatio. It. Horatio. Um, Tail Glorified and he underlines glorified. <laughs> he does <underline. laughs> Technocrat Mark Zuckerberg with chic digital era arrogance. <laughs> and I'm realizing now glorified is actually linking to a YouTube page, that's why it's uh
0: Oh oh so it's yeah. oh, okay, it's a hyperlink.
2: Yeah, but but still I, I just wanna <laughs> to point out here, is there really any point? Where Mark Zuckerberg is, is glorified. Mark Zuckerberg is glorified in, in that nope, movie.
3: Nope, nope.
0: He's made to look like... Uh, I don't know about a bigger asshole than he actually is, because I'm thinking he probably is a huge asshole, but... <laughs> yeah, but anyways, next um, one's Precious, which kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Like, Is this one of those self-hating black dudes that just hates <laughs> anything...
3: Coincided with culture.
1: Obama's first year, so bank, so precious hashtag banks Obama. It's pretty much what, <laughs> <laughs> what right. that one is.
0: Right. Um the the criticism he has for the Hangover is one that is actually pretty legit.
3: Yeah.
0: It infantilizes privileged adulthood, a celebration of chaos and irresponsibility. So that's actually what the Hangover movies are,
3: mm-hmm. and I not
0: agree. N- not even in a good way. Like in a yeah. Yeah, well, he's, there you go, Armand White. Yeah, I I, I think we've like right about given pre- given he's right about two movie. movies. He's right about two movies so far: yeah, The Hangover and yeah. United 93. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: uh, Slumdog Millionaire is the next, but uh, Greed, Game Show Greed is the the answer to systematic poverty. You know,
1: um, he might actually have a point. He on might.
0: That. He, he might. That, 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 that's a legit argument to make. Actually, Armand, we are we we are beginning to, to see your ways, yeah. sir. <laughs> well, well, like, I think the best way for a troll to be, a like, troll, which is basically what Arm and White is, like, be right a third of the time.
3: There you <laughs> go. Then you'll, yeah, get, <laughs> the key. You'll, you'll get
0: people in, and then then you give them your shtick. Yeah. Um, History of violence, which I haven't seen. Uh, Anti-Naginian. Into... Even though mm-hmm. he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, oh, yeah. Tarantino's answer to Abu Ghraib I don't get that one um, A cruel, jokey, ahistorical revision Of World War Two. Okay. Yeah <laughs> yes. whatever, whatever you say Born so he, ulti-
1: hates, he hates Paul Greengrass <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: or an ultimatum I don't know why specifically the ultimatum but. <laughs> um, <laughs> best surprises. M- Mr. and Mrs. Smith Sarcastic violence is the new marriage equality
2: Says Rangelina.
0: Uh, Hollywood's, Hollywood's POTUS. POTUS and FLOTUS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, the, uh, what does FLOTUS stand for? Hi, uh, First Shabby. Lady of the United States. Oh. Oh, there
1: you oh. go.
0: Oh. Um, okay, he hates Soderbergh. Um, yeah. His next one is, is Shea. Uh-huh. Uh, his, Mr. His, Hollywood. Uh, it's Shea Guevara biopic. hipster hollywood its It's its own four-hour rebuttal to oliver stone's jfk so what was the first
1: four-hour rebuttal to jfk
0: (laughs) yeah because this is (laughs) yeah okay Uh, there there will be blood paul thomas anderson's pseudo epic of the american soul cooked up cooked up an anti-christian weirdly misogynist history lesson okay misogynist where yeah, that's the thing that I wanted to address Because like, okay,
2: actually, because the, the only be like, way you can yeah. read it as misogynist is that there are no women. But I mm-hmm. think, like, literally there there's are no maybe, women.
0: There's maybe movie. two women with speaking roles in that whole movie. I a
2: thought kid, there was zero the, actually.
0: The kid that there's a kid that um is walking with H. W. Plainview in the near the beginning of the movie that he ends up marrying later in the movie. Oh yeah. Uh, when oh. he's when he's an adult. Um, that's actually the only one I could think of at the moment. But I'm oh, sure okay. I'm sure like the. The Mom. the Paul and Eli Sunday family yeah. has, uh, there, there's a woman that talks to someone. <laughs> 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 yeah, it would not, yeah. there will be blood would not pass the, what's it called, the Bechtel test. Bechdel.
2: Yeah, yeah I've I, I always argued, though, that that's kind of the point, is it, it, it argues that this, like, these characters and, like, these institutions are, are undervaluing women. Um, like, I think that it's, it's, that movie is in large part about the, um, deterioration of social institutions and i think having women not be present like totally emphasizes Especially that
1: considering that uh pta does a pretty good job with women characters and other yeah, and the yeah master i generation. don't think
2: that he's at all like you know it's
0: not amy it's adams like is the like boss in the, of, the in master. of the
2: camera at one oh, point yeah. it's like you know i'm only like this because of a woman you know
0: <laughs> that would <laughs> okay. be okay his last one is lincoln Spielberg comes to tony kushner's limousine liberal cynicism to valorize obama era political chickenry
1: so uh, there's a little uh, uh behind the scenes um mark harris uh is a really good writer he's written several books he's a he's a critic and he's also an oscar pundit but he's written really good books about the history of hollywood um he is married to tony kushner uh they are uh uh, so he did not do any sort of Oscar punditry during the year Lincoln was out. Well, um, Mark Harris said something snarky towards Armand White once, and ever since, Armand White has gone on this huge ah, diet. That's it's, so it's so This funny. huge thing against Lincoln. So it's like thinly veiled, uh, <laughs> just... That's
0: yeah, <laughs> very funny. hatred. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, that that was fun, and uh, <laughs> we should probably introduce the podcast now because the intro music probably happened a long-ass time ago, so. Yeah. <laughs> um... to the Abandoned Theater podcast for the Speakers and Screens Tumblr at speakerscreens.tumblr.com. We're here with an early September podcast because not much happened in the movies in August. Um, big surprise there. Um, 2013 had a really bitch in August. Like, there was a lot of great movies that came out in August for some reason, but then 2014 we get Let's be cops. Um,
2: anyways. Yeah, I mean, 2013's been so bad that Guardians of the Galaxy has 2014 blocked the number one spot. And Guardians of the Galaxy is good. Uh, but I'm just saying, I mean, it, it's still number one early September. Like, you know. Well,
0: that's press. because, that's because, look, like, I think uh, the whole August is the time to dump, dump your bad movies thing is. Like, I think people will see a good movie no matter what time of what time of the year it comes. Like, yeah. and that, that that was kind of proven because, you know, Guardians was originally put in in a August release because it, you know, it wasn't based on an, on an existing property that anyone really knew. Um mm-hmm. but then everyone decided it, it's, it's now the highest-grossing movie of the summer, maybe the year. Yeah, I think um, the year for I think days. I think the whole year and it came out in August. Yeah. Um so I think I think that's proof that you know, if you make a good movie, uh, people are going to see it no matter what time it comes out. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know, bring out your good movies in January, maybe.
2: Yeah, bring out your Lego movies in February.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. That's another good. And your, thing.
1: your Grand Budapest Hotels, where obviously Wes Anderson doesn't care about the Oscars and releases this movie when he, when he damn well pleases. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, and you know, it's amazing. I didn't realize that Budapest has grossed.
0: 172 million. What? Like, like worldwide? is World
2: Yeah, wow. worldwide. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean.
0: Oh yeah. Well, even
2: domestic is 59.1. I'm looking on Box Office Mojo right now. It's not
1: number one domestic. It's close. Because I know a Tannenbaum did really well, and maybe given inflation, Tannenbaum is still his number one movie. But that's yeah, that's really? pretty impressive. Really? Real,
2: really. And did do quite well. So. Oh, yeah
1: I don't know if oh. another indie movie is going to top that one.
2: Yeah, uh, you know the <laughs> closest competition at this point is probably Chef. Yep. Yeah. We, cause we got.
0: Yeah, because Chef has been out for.
2: It's just been absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I mean, it's still, it's not really close to the Top of the Game, I and mean, it's at forty-five point two worldwide. But, um, we, we, we got that movie. What was it? Late May, and we <laughs> lost it for a few weeks at my theater, and then we got it back. Um, yeah. Yeah, August has weeks.
1: So bad they re-released it.
2: Yeah, August <laughs> has been so bad they re released Chef of all movies. And it <laughs> yeah. actually sold better than the new movies we got last Friday, not this past yep. one. We'll yeah. we'll get to that later. I I'm just so like taken aback by the sheer just lack of confidence studios had in last Friday, September what was it, fifth. Yeah, but we'll get yeah, to that.
0: Um by the way, we need to introduce ourselves.
1: Oh, yeah. Totally.
2: Um,
0: I'm your ringleader. Yes. Top host. <laughs> most important person on this podcast. Agreed. Robert Beck. And uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you guys are just going ahead and, you know, <laughs> I am TJ
1: Dwayne, writer for Abandoned Theater and Speakers and Screens. You all should go read my Coen Brothers essay and Oh, yes. In my Jonathan Demi
0: essay. So, I have written nothing in the past. Yeah, two I'll, I'll uh, second
2: the um, TJ recommendation. I actually read like a little bit of the Cohen ones, but I, I stopped because I, I haven't seen those early Cohen brothers movies, so I, I kind yeah. of wait. Um, but they were rather compelling so far
1: so good job teacher
0: That's why I can't ever say if some of your Thank essays you. are good or not because I still have to see a lot of the movies I could talk about Yeah Yeah don't like, don't,
1: don't, still, have, don't ever read my essays unless you've seen the movie
0: cuz I just deal with every plot point and yeah <laughs> Watch yeah. the movies first <laughs> Yeah I still haven't read your Barry Lyndon 1 because I got to Oh yeah I need to read that too I got to read that Um Thanks, guys. Uh, apparently, apparently the 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 twist in the Idris Elba movie coming out this week called No Good Deed was oh. like not even a twist. Oh yeah, I read it. Yeah, and it's and really not that. Crazy. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, um, critics were all all the screenings, um, all the all the critic screenings that were supposed to happen for that movie this week got canceled i rather hastily by the studio because – and their excuse was there's a twist in the middle of the movie that would – the critics would ruin? I, I, I don't know. <laughs>
2: As if critics are known for ruining twists. I mean don't yeah, – uh, like essentially every generic thriller out there have like a twist at some point? Yeah,
0: exactly. That's just
1: like uh, – uh, I don't know. By the it's way, stupid. there's someone on this podcast named Danny Spiteri.
2: Oh, yeah. i got to introduce myself. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm Danny Spiteri. And, yeah, I'm a podcaster for speakers and screens and occasional writer. And I'm actually working on a little piece right now uh, on, of all things, The Identical, which we will talk oh, about Oh, my God, with...
0: you are? Yes. That's awesome.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> Again, uh... we should start. Let, let's just start with The Identical. I'm going to sit yeah. here and listen yeah. to this.
2: Oh, sure, okay, because okay. we've been okay. really hinting at this one okay. for a while. You, so.
0: Everyone, you might have one week left to see this movie. there's no Maybe. Way, there's no way this is staying in theaters for more than two weeks. Yeah. Like, 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 the, like the Oogie Loves was out by... Super yeah, movie.
2: no, this is like an it's, Oogie Loves kind this of This is the Oogie
0: Loves for adults, is what, is what I've been hearing some people call it, and it it's, it's the truth. So the identical... D- Danny, why don't you explain the plot of the yeah. identical...
2: Okay, because this is a, a doozy. This is um, a doozy of a movie. Yeah, so... But, Just to kind of like give you an impression here of like how difficult it is to to understand like to grasp the plot and for me to understand, I just like want to give a very brief history of like my relationship to the film, like (laughs) like like, and how I just became progressively more confused with the more I learned about it. Like it's a very rare case where I learned more and and felt like more compelled to see it because i was just so at a it's loss baffling. for how to it just it's just so baffling is the perfect word for it so i see the the stand i work at a theater and i see the standee there it's there like you know every day i come poster, in yeah. like it's like three days a week or whatever it's just it's not even a poster it's a standee it's like a cardboard like you know oh, that oh, oh, oh that's what yeah like one of those that's the, what it's yeah. called
0: the big yeah yeah standee. so yeah, yeah. There's one for so, the box there's one for, for the for the with the with the box trolls that you can pose with.
2: That's right, we have one of those in my theater too, yeah. So um, so anyway, there's the
0: identical one.
2: And I'm like, huh, you know, like that looks like Elvis on the, uh, that Sandi over there. Yeah, I wonder good. if there's an Elvis biopic coming out.
0: Yeah, it looks like an Elvis like, biopic.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, oh, but I don't see the uh, yeah. the name Elvis on there. I feel like they would really plaster that everywhere to, you know, really yeah. sell it as an Elvis biopic. So, so what could that mean? Oh, you know, but it can't be that random of a movie because there's all these, like, notable actors in it, you know, Ray yeah. Liotta. Ray
0: Liotta produced it. Zet-
2: yeah, Ray Liot, executive producer, uh, Joe Pantoliano, uh, Seth Green, Ashley Judd. It's just a really random mix of like, you know, semi notable, like within the mainstream and like, you know, often good actors. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the Sopranos right now. Ray Liotta obviously is, is quite talented um Seth Green is, is a really random choice but he he actually was probably pretty well cast cuz he believably looks like a little boy when the main uh. character is <laughs> supposed to look like a little boy but we'll get to that later um, but anyway so after i I've eventually it's flash forward i find a plot synopsis and 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 i'm going to try to actually read the plot synopsis <laughs> because it's a little bit <coughs> difficult to actually and i'm going to search the, the, on google here so first of all I go to the identicals website and it says you decide mainstream film critics did not care for the identical while Christian reviewers and audiences loved the movie we are putting the first 15 minutes online to let you decide for yourself (laughs) tell us what you think of the movie then if you agree with those who have already seen it go see it this weekend in theaters who will you side with audiences or film critics so it sets up this perfect little false dichotomy as if audiences were just head over heels and it was just the stodgy film critics who well, didn't I like it.
0: I guarantee you the cinema score for this movie is probably higher than the than the cinema score for, say, I don't know, the drop? I, I don't know. Yeah, actually, that might be true, but,
2: yeah, but I don't so... know. Every time – I don't honestly think there will hardly be a cinema score because yeah. – uh, when I went, to see
0: anyone has seen this movie.
2: Yeah, when I went to see the movie, the, it was a Saturday night during prime time. There were like a dozen other people in there. Um,
0: I had and, at least a couple
2: dozen in mine. Sure, yeah. So, but even that is like, come on, for a Saturday it was on, night.
0: It was on Friday noon.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And actually, that probably is a more common time for this kind of movie because it's yeah. only really going to appeal to old. old religious audiences for the most part um you know I, I, that's just i think that's who their their marketing yeah. was aimed towards so i imagine that's that's prime time for old
0: religious
2: yeah. audiences yeah. that's why I went,
0: um, that's why when the new spongebob movie comes out i'm going to uh, I, I, if i see it i'm only going to go to a, like an 11 p.m showing <laughs>
2: yes definitely that's a great idea. That's, if you're seeing
0: the new SpongeBob movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to see the new SpongeBob movie, but if you want to probably not will because i then go to the 11 p.m. show. I
0: probably will that. because I'm crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, Anyways. hope for another David Hasselhoff cameo? Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Antonio Banderas plays a pirate, so. <laughs> yeah. well, anyway. Getting back to the identical. Yeah, the identical,
2: yeah. So here, I pulled up the synopsis. So this is from the official website, so it'll have a little bit of – bias, but you know, um, the identical tells the compelling story of twin brothers unknowingly separated at birth during the Great Depression. Drexel Hemsley becomes an iconic 50s rock and roll star while Ryan Wade struggles to balance his love for music and pleasing his father. The Reverend Wade and his wife are sure their adopted son has been gifted and called by God to be a preacher, but Ryan challenges his parents' vision for his life and unflinchingly chooses to launch his own music career with his best friend, played by Seth Green. Encouraged by his wife and employer, Ryan embarks on an unpredictable, provocative path, performing the legendary music of Drexel Hemsley in (laughs) sold-out venues all across the country. As the brothers' destinies tragically collide, Ryan discovers that Drexel is his identical twin, which leads him to question everything he's ever believed about God, family, and his own identity.
0: Oh, my. (laughs) So, first of all, the
2: couple further questions that were raised. Is you know, first of all, I had actually deduced, and I'm gonna you know kind of toot my own horn, pat myself on the back for some great detective work. I looked <laughs> closely at the standee, and I noticed there's a tagline that says, "If he is in your dreams, nothing can stand in your way." Which makes sense. And the no he, when just it's true. It's capitalized. Yeah, the he is capitalized, and I said it must be a Christian movie. Yep. Because it, it, and sure enough sure enough i, I was right and, but it's not
0: even a good christian movie though
2: and and that's the thing that we'll get to is that yeah, yeah. It, it it actually it's doesn't... one of the
0: 10 dozen problems with this movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it,
2: it's one of the things about it is you expect a christian movie to just kind of hand you its message because Be, yeah yeah they that's what they historically do and
0: yeah, of course Christ. i want to
2: make clear now that we're not at least i'm not condescending to christianity or religion or anything no, and no, i think no, no, no. i think there's totally a place for religion <laughs> in films
0: this, honestly
2: yeah there's totally a place for religion in films but um this has not even does
0: not do it the right way
2: it, yeah this is not even close to the level of cinematic competence necessary to do so um and the other baffling element is there's no mention of Elvis, so I'm wondering why this guy looks so much like Elvis. And then I I look at the name Drexel Hemsley, and first of all, who names their kid Drexel? I mean, and I'm sorry for any Drexels out there. Um, I mean, it's just I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to put down the name Drexel. It's it's interesting. Um, but Hemsley. Yeah rhymes with presley so i figured oh, maybe really? this is their way of you know it's the, elvis, doing a little... it's
0: the elvis in this um in this universe exactly so he's it's the elvis in this universe
2: and you know i figure hey maybe that's their way you know they don't have much you know they don't have the millions of dollars it would probably cost to use an actual elvis and use his music because there'd be so much royalty they'd have to pay so yeah. sure you know use a drexel hemsley you know but then there's an extra little layer of just total bizarro just i cannot even fathom why elvis does exist within this universe because there's one little line and i don't know what their point was in including this line but there's one little line when a character mentions the existence of elvis presley so we have to assume that this drexel hemsley who's an iconic 50s rock and roll star who has ripped Elvis Presley's star, er, Elvis Presley's style, excuse me, to a T, is somehow that famous despite the existence of Elvis Presley?
0: Or perhaps Elvis is the one that bit Drexel Hemsley's style.
2: That's possible, although or... they do definitely posit Elvis in the film as being yeah. this legendary star because they mention him in the same breath as the Beatles. And I think there's one more big star. And a- Drexel
0: Hemsley. A- and- <laughs> <laughs> the, I think that was it I think it was just The Beatles Elvis And Jerksal Hemsley
3: <laughs> <laughs> So that's
2: oh That's like Already Kind of like A few little Unbelievable elements
0: yeah. Oh my god I I can't even That's The more yeah. information You learn about this movie The more confusing It is Yeah <laughs> it's so almost, It's yeah. the opposite Of Coherence <laughs> It's almost as if We should get a bunch
1: Of comic book nerds To sort of like hash out the mythology for
0: us yeah <laughs> so okay okay what, you, what is canon we're getting way we're getting way ahead the f- yeah
2: yeah we are sorry the it's, fir- it's, there's so many yeah. things to say that it's like overwhelming and i don't know where to start but you can go okay, on okay
0: okay the ray Leo, the the first scene with ray Liotta as the preacher that adopts um the what's the what's baby number two's name uh,
2: <laughs> oh, uh <laughs> ryan ryan wade
0: ryan wade Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan Wade's and Drexel Hemsley's original parents, you know, go to see go to this tent revival in the 1930s where Ray Liotta is preaching firestorms. Yeah. Like, he's practically Literally. screaming. Yeah, no, that's the thing <laughs> the with
2: Ray Liotta is that he's already weirdly cast, but I can, I can respect him playing against type. That's pretty cool. But yeah. the thing is, he does bring his, like, kind of signature just fire to the yeah, role.
0: But the the thing is, his sermon makes no sense. Like, <laughs> it's the it's the most bizarre, nonsensical thing I've ever... I, like, okay, the first line he says... First first thing you hear from his mouth, blacks and whites are equal in the name of the Lord. (laughs) Second second line you hear is, Jews and Christians are equal in the eyes of God. (laughs) Do you want to think of two things that were never once uttered in a tent revival in the South in the 1930s? (laughs) Those would be the two things that were never uttered. Oh my
3: god.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then the third thing he says, which has nothing to do with the second thing he said, which in turn has nothing to do with the first thing he said, <laughs> is he brings. He, he goes down to his wife, played by Ashley Judd, and announces to everyone that she miscarried again. Because that's how you do it. <laughs> that's how you handle situations like that.
3: <laughs>
2: oh my god. So you can hand it to the screenwriters. For being really concise with this scene. Because it's clear (laughs) they wanted to sermonize their message of equality, which they do succinctly in two lines. And then relay this important plot detail that Ashley Judd can't have babies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also... Um, TJ has not seen this movie. Has not seen this movie, by the way. I don't know I if we mentioned not. this or not. Yeah. Um, it's just me and Danny, but uh, so he's hearing all this, <gasps> for like all this time. for like, yeah, for the first time. <laughs> oh, oh my.
3: Okay. So, well. Anyway.
0: Oh, we didn't even we didn't even mention the inane narration permeating <laughs> throughout oh, yeah. this film. And the narration is by a character that means nothing to the film. The narration is by the the lady that plays Drexel Hemsley's no 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 not 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 Drexel Ryan Hemsley Wade's, uh, Ryan Wade's Ryan Wade's baby number baby number two's wife. Yeah. Um, who's who that? isn't even in the story for the first little while, so you're just kind of yeah, wondering so, who's so narrating. Like, yeah yeah, and you don't know yeah. why she's narrating this part because she wasn't there like okay it would make sense if like ashley judd was yeah. then the narrator but just picking this character it makes no sense <laughs> i mean one of the many things that make no sense in this film
3: yeah
0: so then um uh ryan wade's actual parents are we confusing the listeners yet? Um, <laughs> Drexel Hemsley's parents hear the, hear hear Ray Liotta talk about the miscarriage and think, "Huh, maybe they could use our baby." So <laughs> they so they give away one. Uh, okay, to to give credit to the parents, the you know they could have only raised one child, but they had identical twins. Blah blah blah. So they give baby number two to uh, Ray Liotta and Ashley Judd. Mm. And the next scene is uh, the next scene is also the first musical sequence of the film. Oh gosh. With with, um, ten years later, well, okay. Actually, the next scene is the kid Ryan Wade singing like a black gospel style. Bible, Like, he sings out a Bible verse, but in this style that's like like a black gospel church, even though no black people are visible at all. It's just all white people throughout this entire church. But he's singing like Christina Aguilera, you know, singing gospel music, like that kind of... Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, so that's uh, strange. And the next yeah. scene is ten years <laughs> later, and he went from a little boy... To this guy named Blake Rain.
2: No, that's the actor's name, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh that's uh, what you that's mean. What yes.
0: said. He turned from a little boy to Blake Rain, who. Yeah. I'm gonna. Um, I have, I have no clue how old he is, but he. No, the actor is 41. He's 41, and that's what he looks like for the rest of the movie. He's a 41 year old, 21 <laughs> year old.
2: And maybe this is the best <coughs> thing to note: the aging, the wildly varied aging effects they use, because yeah. this is Blake Rain, who's 41 and stays the same age and maintains the same look other than a few hairstyle changes yeah. and at one point has a beard. Um, Ashley Judd, they just change, what is it, her... her they change her wig, like... Her wig a few times.
0: Like, one or two times at yeah. the end, near the end yeah. of the film.
2: And that's and the only thing they do to make her look like she's aging. Meanwhile, On the other hand,
0: Ray Liotta ages 100 years throughout this whole film. <laughs> they They... Do the motherfucker up at the end of the film.
2: <laughs> yeah, he is just absolutely, like, withered by the time the film is over um, and starts out looking like regular old Ray Liotta. And, and uh, another weird one was Brian Garrity. I think I'm hopefully pronouncing that fairly correctly. Um, yeah. Is is Brian Wade and Drexel Hemsley's biological father. When you see him at the end of the film, he's played by, uh, and I forget his name. Chris Mulkey. Sure. Yeah. I just remember him as being the guy from twin peaks. Um, and he had a bit role in captain Phillips. Um, but, uh, he, he was, uh, I forgot his name in twin peaks. Um, he was, uh, ah, well, whatever you you, you look him up and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, um, and and one bit I wanted to mention about the the actual giving this kid up for like adoption essentially, um, was that this is how it goes with, with it's, the dad, the biological father. I mean, they're poor, so it, the issue is that they can't take care. of... It's during of the depression. Mine. Yeah, it's during the depression, so that that's like a fairly believable motivation. I guess I get it. You know, if you're in the depression, you can't do right by your kid. You give keep them to someone who can. Um, but the the way that goes is it's literally just the father attends the sermon, leaves the sermon, tries to convince his wife to do it. She refuses. Next scene. They're all together and they're giving the kid away. Yep. So it it just took one sermon from a tent revival to convince this guy an absurd that,
0: sermon <laughs> <laughs> an
2: absurd sermon to convince this guy that this pre, this reverend was like going to be an appropriate father. Like I feel like I would not be comfortable just after attending one sermon giving my kid away. <laughs> yeah. But anyway.
3: Um, Anyways,
0: um, back back to when Blake Rain takes over. Uh, he, the first scene you see him, and he's at a, what what, what would you call it? Like a nightclub. It's supposed to be this wild, rocking, um, <laughs> dangerous nightclub. When everyone everyone is it is a Christian film, so everyone's standing a good three feet away from each other. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's it's
0: basically a sock hop with black people. Like, for some reason everyone else in the whole entire room is black and well, okay, maybe not. Maybe there's a few other white people, but it's mostly black folks mostly, black, people, mostly yeah. black folks. Um, and then Blake Rain and I think the girl, I think his future wife are the only two white people in this in this whole room. Yeah, um, and then I, friend, I guess I he was I guess yeah. he was the one dude in nineteen forties South that <laughs> that liked the blacks, I guess. Weird. Um. Anyways, he, uh, he goes up on stage, if rather inexplicably, and somehow the entire band knows this original composition that he has written, yeah. <laughs> entitled "Boogie well, Woogie Rock and Roll."
2: There's a, the little detail you're missing is, is that he was with Seth Green's character. Oh, yes. And there was that they like stole, or Seth Green like. St- stole his dad's car, and then they went to this club. And then Seth Green went up to the black band and was like, hey, you know, I got this friend. And then they went up and then somehow they knew the song. And, and was it Boogie Woogie Rock and Roll or was it Bebop and Baby? No, nope, no, no. I
0: can't remember nope, which one. It, no, I remember vividly. Okay. <laughs> I sat through this movie. I remember. It was Boogie Woogie Rock and Roll.
3: Okay, okay. By yeah, the way,
0: if you go to theidenticalmovie.com slash music – Oh, hold on. Movie dot yeah dot com. The movie dot com slash music. You can hear a ninety second preview of every one of these songs, yeah, and enough. you will hear that boogie woogie rock and roll. <laughs> Sounds like a parody <laughs> of this kind of like fifties. Uh, uh, what did you even call it? Like,
3: yeah, you, you know, fifties
0: rock and roll, song, rockabilly. Man. It, yeah. It, oh, oh my, and. Yeah. <laughs> then Ray Liotta comes and chastises him, even though you know blacks and blacks and whites are were apparently equal in the eyes of God <laughs> to him, um, and <laughs> for playing the devil's music in a honketonk, tonk, which oh, is yeah. the name he insists on calling it, <laughs> using one of his twelve uh, southern accents that he uses <laughs> throughout this whole film,
3: <laughs>
0: a a tonk. <honky-tonk.
3: laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh god, I can't get enough of this movie. um I I don't even like. Then he becomes a direct. Okay, the central scene of the film. Okay, he uh, Ray Liotta wants him to become a pastor, but he don't. But he's all like, oh, I don't hear the call. I, I, I can't become a pastor. <laughs> By the way, that's what he talks like too. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, when he sings, it's like the ultimate like parody version of Elvis. Where it just yes! like, his elongated like, <laughs> um, um, baby. It's it's, it's it's like all like all like that, you know? Like rock and roll. Like uh, I, I, I have not been able to stop singing boogie woogie rock and roll. This <laughs> whole time. whole time. Um, the central scene of the film is a contest for. Drexel Hemsley impersonators, because remember, even though Elvis exists in this universe, Drexel Hemsley is the equivalent of Elvis. (laughs) And he sings one of Drexel Hemsley's terrible songs. And Drexel Hemsley happens to show up. By the way, both of these people, Drexel Hemsley and his identical twin, are both played by Blake Rain. And for the entirety of the film, people mention, oh yeah, you look exactly like drexel hemsley like not not even it's like exactly like (laughs) you sculpted the exact same way and the whole time he's like oh no i get that a (laughs) lot how stupid can you be and then in the central scene where you know every other drexel hemsley impersonator is like you know either too fat or too whatever but then you know one's uh, once baby number two comes up, he's a spitting image and sounds exactly like him. And Drexel Hensley shows up and sits at the judge's table, and he just stands up and claps. And you know, God forbid they'd be on screen, this on both on screen at the same time. I don't think the movie had the budget for this. But, <laughs> <coughs> but he apparently the actual Drexel Hensley also thinks nothing of the fact that they look exactly alike. <laughs>
2: My favorite part about that scene is that the song is just terrible, first so, of all. The song is horrible. Well, it's, all it's the horrible. songs are horrible. All the songs are just excruciatingly bad. And that's like – there's so much of the movie is that the songs too. So that's very a notable yeah. point. But the, the song in particular – and this is another huge thing. Do you, remember what, do you remember which one it is? It was uh, Your Love's – feeling me tonight or something like that uh, hold on <laughs> <laughs> it's something along those lines hold on let me find the, the name it's it's like um, your loves where did it go hold on oh okay anyway but it was
0: uh <laughs> well, well basically he becomes the most
2: your most love's so- keeping me tonight your love's keeping me tonight sorry right. um anyway but, he, but so my favorite part of that scene though is that it, it's a terrible song and the audience is like, it just cuts, it always cuts the little just insert trans shots of the audience. Fixed. And they're just like, oh my God. Like Ashley Judd just like, shit, you know, has those tears. And she's like, oh
0: my goodness. Like, it's just so Ashley, Judd, Ashley, Judd, Ashley, Judd, Ashley Judd has perpetual wet face throughout this whole film. <laughs> yeah, <I know.
2: laughs> and then uh, <laughs> my favorite is at the end, it's just like silent for a second. And then Drexel Hemsley just stands up with this slow clap. Just, a dramatic slope, <laughs> and then just strings rise, and everyone just starts clapping, and then he just goes, "That's the one. That's your winner," and then just walks out. Yeah, it's just this. Moment.
0: Absolutely nothing of the fact that this person looks exactly like him, as if he was almost played by the same actor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so, man. anyways, um, Drexel Hemsley too becomes a Drexel Hemsley impersonator, but he wants to play his own music, but he can't because there's only one Drexel Hemsley, and there's only one Elvis, and there's only one Beatles. That's what the line is. <coughs> yeah. That, right. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The manager says it. So then he becomes not. Oh yeah, we didn't even mention the part where Drexel Hemsley 2, the you know the baby number baby number two, he sneaks into the hospital where Drexel Hemsley's mother, oh, a.k.a. Yeah. his biological mother, is, you know, stayed at. He's, he's practically dying. yeah. And he goes and sits by her bedside and says, you know, your, your son's music means a lot to me or whatever, whatever bullshit. And she looks at him and she says, Dexter, which is Ryan Wade's actual name, baby number two's actual name. And like every unbelievable coincidence of this movie, his response is, oh, well, that was weird. (laughs) Like, oh, God, there's no end to this movie. And I don't even I don't even remember how he like he finds out eventually that surprise, surprise, he's an identical twin to Drexel Hemsley. And I don't even remember how how he actually found out because – I, I actually uh. do. It was <coughs> – spoiler. Hopefully people don't mind. If people
2: really okay. mind, then yeah, I don't know. This,
0: these are not spoilers. Yeah. This is, These are selling points. Yeah. <laughs> you need to see this movie no matter what. Yeah.
2: But there's a point at the end um, – or near the end, excuse me. Well, basically near the beginning – his real father gives Rayliota like a note or something, and he's like, you know, this says that I'm his real father, and like tells him the truth, but don't give it to him until him. after like, I die. Yeah. yeah. So then, but then at one point Rayliota has like a heart attack or something, and then coincidentally, like I don't know, Blake Rain or whatever, like bumps into something and like knocks over the box and like oh my- looks in and like picks it up. And there's like a piece of paper and. That's the note that tells him, and is just like, oh my goodness, like I know the truth now. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And,
3: <laughs>
2: um. <laughs> the funny thing, the really weird thing about the like quote-unquote relationship between Drexel and Ryan too, is that there's this like weird connection yeah. that. Isn't expanded on at all. Yeah. Like when there's a the psychic connection
0: between between twins. Between twins, You're yeah. you talk about when Drexel Hemsley dies, right? Yeah.
2: Here. When Drexel Hemsley dies, and of course it's a it's like a PG movie, so they don't want to make it yeah, anything like you, know, you spike, know like dirt like you know raw no, like
0: no drug using like yeah the no, way, no. <laughs> like the way Elvis actually died. Yeah. No, they have to make it a
2: plane crash. Um, and it's just like <laughs> this. You know, there's like a little bit of turbulence on the plane. He's like, huh? And then like uh-huh. it just like <laughs> and then it just kind of uh-huh. cuts to him,
0: like that's why that's why we were totally just playing to play. oh. oh, oh. <laughs> and then go, 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 go when he <laughs> when he dies on the plane. Ryan
2: Wade is in Joe Pantaleano's because Joe Pantaleano like plays his like car mechanic boss and he's in his like I don't know mechanic garage or whatever and then he just like falls and he's like oh and then he like kind of <laughs> yeah he kind of trips and falls and, he's like, oh. and then <laughs> that's
0: uh, what he's just done. oh well. Yeah, well that was weird I wonder if my identical brother died. <laughs> oh. That's
2: the thing. Oh, gosh, well, I'll get to that later. There's, there's still like a couple just major, major, just baffling things that we haven't even mentioned.
3: Yeah, but, like, um,
0: like this movie's <laughs> sudden fascination with the Six Day War of Israel, <laughs> this is just uh, which so makes confusing. no sense. Like, like this is a movie that takes place the takes place between the 30s and like the 70s. <laughs> no mention of the civil rights movement no reference of vietnam but they sure do remember the six day war in israel <laughs> which is this movie's absurd obsession with with um christianity and and, and, and judaism and judaism
3: yeah
0: judaism like yeah. uh you know Drexel Hemsley turns out to be half Jewish and that's supposed to be this poignant thing and you never even know why yeah. until like I, I did a little bit of research on my own and mm-hmm. apparently the production company, City of Peace yeah, Films... Yeah, City of
2: Peace Films, yeah. I, I <laughs> did my fair share of research, too. Yeah.
0: But go it's, on, because associ- you, you it's, probably know. Is associated with... I, I, don't, I don't remember what the group is called, but it's this Christian group that believes that, you know, if Christians can convert all the Jews to Christianity, then Jesus will come back. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm guessing they were just... This is a movie made for and about them, I I guess. And that's why there's all this Jewish shit going on. But here's the thing. This is why I said that this is a bad Christian movie. Christian movies are always about the message first. Like, no matter what. No matter what yeah. Christian movie you're talking about, it's almost always about the message first, execution second. In this movie, like, the ex- execution isn't good. But, like what's the message? Like yeah. it's just this vague Christian slash Jewish stuff just plastered under this film, just out of nowhere. And what are you supposed to take out of it?
2: I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's highly confusing. And I think that one of the um things that's so weird about it is there's so many highly weird elements and yet there's so many clichés like it's it's yeah. a, just a testament to the film's utter audacity of weirdness that it can mesh together so many trite elements and so many just absolutely baffling ones and i think that's like <clears throat> kind of why the message is so hard to decipher yeah. is that it kind of hands you like all these different clichés that like could mean different things like i remember
0: it's like a movie <laughs> in a blender
2: yeah, exactly. It's just like – it's like it's like they had like a, a blender and they were like, okay, we, we want to show that we we think there should be equality between, between you know Christians and Jews. Let's throw that in. Oh, you know, blacks and whites too. Oh, you know, Israel, not so bad. Let's, let's throw that in too. Yeah. Like, oh, but, oh, by the way though, it's a movie. So we have to have movie elements. Let's go yes. into our big handbook of movie elements and throw some <laughs> of those in as well.
0: Yeah. And then uh, we have to get
2: a few semi-recognizable stars and throw those in too and then we'll be yeah. set.
0: And. And Elvis, Elvis-sounding songs that we can <laughs> write ourselves and uh, not have to pay any royalties for. Exactly, yeah. By <laughs> the way, we haven't even mentioned the music in this film. Will we oh, gosh, ever. The, that's the thing the, we need the, to talk about. There are these wild musical anachronisms throughout this film. Like, okay... <laughs> Drexel Hemsley is supposed to be the Elvis of this universe, even though, you know, once again, we mentioned that Elvis also exists in this universe. Yeah. So uh, that's confusing, you know. But okay, Drexel Hemsley is like this time hopping, like gremlin that wrote (laughs) not only like not only like, you know, uh, Elvis knockoffs, Elvis knockoffs. Not only wrote that rockabilly those rockabilly type songs like yeah. boogie woogie rock and roll and bebop and baby <laughs> <laughs> but he also there's a, there's a song the song that baby number two sings in that contest mm-hmm. sounds completely off the mark it's, it sounds it like it sounds an, like an eighties soft rock ballad yeah exactly and yeah. there's another song that kind of sounds like. It kind of sounds like an 80s arena rock tune, and, yeah. it, and th- there's funk in there too, like like disco type of music. Like, what? And there's a song that one one of my favorites is Nashville tonight. Oh, it, the chorus is literally Nashville tonight. I heard, <laughs> I heard I heard a joke in another podcast that it was like if the Nashville Chamber of Commerce <laughs> like commissioned a song to be used in their TV spots. Like that's a ah, joke I heard ah, in a different podcast. Yeah. And like <laughs> Nashville tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, of course, it's in the fake Elvis version. Nashville
3: tonight. <laughs> yeah.
0: So then the movie the, the movie ends. Um, baby number two meets his biological father. Drexel Hembl mm-hmm. is dead. Mm-hmm. So the public is just the, the the music listening public is just like oh this guy will do. And he's the star now, and he's the identical. And th- they're not really clear about this. He performs both Elvis, the the this Drexel Hem, both Drexel Hemsley songs, and apparently his own material too, because he was all mad early in the movie that he couldn't perform his own material. Yeah. So now I guess he gets to for some reason, even though yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Like I guess they
2: just accepted Ryan Wade as the next best thing after Drexel Hemsley. And
0: after and presumably Mack, Elvis Presley, and yeah, presumably actual Elvis, <laughs> um, and you know and he performs the last song, is the one he wrote, Little <laughs> Alliance." Oh yeah, what was. I'm glad you remember, because yeah. I forgot. Because <laughs> I'm looking at the, I'm, I'm still on the on the music page because I'm baffled by all some of the songs like, like you know, Bebop and Baby." Baby. <laughs> 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 oh my god, that's so great.
1: Uh,
0: oh
3: but, wow. so I don't the,
1: even know what to think about
3: all of this. Oh No, it's god. just it's uh, it's, it's so overwhelming. overwhelming. It is overwhelming. You <laughs> have to see
0: this movie, even if it's just like rented or something. You need yeah. to see this movie. Yeah. It's <laughs> I I almost recommend this movie more than I recommend my favorite choice bad movie that I always mention nowadays. Oh, which is Tyler Perry's Temptation Confessions. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which is from,
2: well, which I also watched on your
0: recommendation, and yep. that we could devote a whole other podcast to that we one. A, we could do a whole commentary on that film. <laughs> oh my! Like, okay, that movie, that, that's. I would watch the commentary
1: if you guys record a commentary track. I will watch it.
0: <laughs> well, we could do that if we live, if if we we're ever in the same room together. But I think. Yeah, I'd be uh, down if we ever meet up, and there you go,
2: challenge accepted.
0: Yeah, I'll you know, <laughs> get, get Blu-ray for. <laughs> To Tyler Perry's temptation, <laughs> um, but yeah that was the identical and um, it's yeah. bizarre and strange and just this like okay there are some bad movies that are just Hollywood miscalculation and just yeah. incompetence and boring and everything but then there are some bad movies either by just completely crazy people like Tyler Perry. you know, <laughs> Or, like, uh, that just come from these bizarre circumstances and all these, uh, like Danny said, all these things just put into a blender and all these absurd things that might work in one movie but just colliding and creating this. And <laughs> it's like Christian miscalculation in, like, the strangest way.
3: Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, just... I highly recommend it <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know there's there's a <coughs> there's um that's no, okay um, there's a, a moment where the other night i I walked I was closing my theater and I, I walked back into the theater because I heard I, I I heard your love's keeping me tonight and I and I was drawn to the theater and I, I walked. Into the house, and I looked at the the auditorium, all the seats, and there was literally no one there. And I looked back at point? the screen. What was that?
0: They were, they were playing the movie anyway.
2: They were playing the movie. I don't know why they didn't just stop it, but yeah, you know, they're they're playing the movie anyway. I looked back at the screen, and I see just you know poor little Ryan Wade up there <laughs> singing, "Your love's keeping me tonight," and I just had this moment where I was just <laughs> overcome with with just Pity, and <laughs> and even a sense of admiration. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, I feel badly for you. Like, I was like, you know what? You're just seeing like such an innocent, lost soul. And yes. you know, yes. because he's just he's such a poor guy. Like, you know, and that's this is one reason too. I read about the guy. I read I I just because I was so intrigued. I read about Blake Rain himself. Who's that's actually a pseudonym because he was influenced by Blue, Bruce Wayne. So, so he, his real name is Ryan Pelton, but he changed it to Blake Rain because he because he really wanted to do a Bruce Wayne kind of thing. Um, anyway, um, so that's I Bat,
0: that's Batman, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, Batman.
3: Um,
2: and so I just I read about his story, and he said that you know it's basically the same story <laughs> as this guy, where he kind of his friends were like dude just join this elvis impersonator contest You look exactly like him and he was like oh all right so he did it and then he won and then a, a agent came up to him afterward and was like look i can get you all these gigs if you're if you're willing and he's like all right so he started doing all these gigs making his money he was even on american idol at one point um next wow. to celine dion um and but they digitally pasted on elvis's face <laughs> Um. Uh, so right. it's his. Bio. It's I could send you the video so you know what I'm talking about. Um. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's highly weird video because it's it's you know Mr. Blake. I Rain. imagine. Yes. Yeah. And but then it, they actually have Elvis's face. Um. Anyway. Um. But then he's since been trying to kind of make it with. He's like working on his original. Oh. music so debut. This movie is
0: basically the story of Blake Rain.
2: It's, it's wish fulfillment for Blake Rain. Yes. Because he does, because all of a sudden he gets movie,
0: to play, actually, he gets to play actual Elvis and he gets to play himself. Exactly. Trying to be an Elvis impersonator. And then he gets to play himself succeeding as an original musician. Um, and an impersonator well, at the same time. So, yeah. yeah, this there's a lot of, there's a lot of demons being exercised in this film for some weird reason. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just everyone's selfish motivation is coming together for – why is Ray Liotta like a – because he – executive produced this. like That's
2: the thing that I was confused about too is I read an interview with him and he's like, yeah, hey, I'm not religious. Like I, I consider myself just spiritual um, and he didn't really entirely explain why that he was so interested in this film. So I, I'm really not sure <laughs> to this day. Um, but uh, I, I agree though with you. it's It's totally just – Different selfish motivations coming together. It's like, oh, hey, uh, I want to show that I support, like, the, you know, I don't know, solidarity between Jews and Christians. Oh, hey, I want to make it as an original musician. I'm like, oh, hey, you know what I mean? It's just all yeah. of this together. Into this. But the thing is, I that's why I am I, in the review I'm writing, or the, I guess if you want to call it a review, whatever the piece <laughs> I'm writing, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to be snarky because there's oh, no, something no, yeah. about – bad movies that were just yeah. so fun and just get snarky and come together and be like, ha Yeah, this movie is terrible. And it's so funny because it's so bad. And to an extent, I mean, that's, that's kind of like what we're, I mean, I don't think we're being mean spirited with the, no, identity, I, no, but I, don't I think so. that like, it's definitely, it's so just intriguing and kind of fun to dissect because there's so many things. I wrong. have,
0: I have a weird level of affection for this movie. Yeah, but exactly. I have this yeah. weird
2: level of affection for this movie and I have a respect for it where I'm like, you know what? It, all of those things are, like, kind of admirable intentions. Like, yeah, or at least, like, yeah. you know, like, res- at least respectable intentions. Like, it's not as hateful as, like, say, God's not dead, which, like, is just yeah, people, which, all atheists are the worst people ever. Um, this is just...
0: It's not I'm, even as, like, kind of toxic morally as, once again, Tyler Perry's temptation. America, exactly,
2: yeah. It's of not, American yeah, it's not really toxic morally. I think, at worst, it's just a vanity project um oh yeah of course you know and which are always fun
3: yeah
1: yeah Yeah. i mean
2: that (laughs) yeah so you know at least it's bold and at least it's original Mm -hmm. i mean it's not really bold in its filmmaking it's it's horribly inept filmmaking yeah Um, (laughs) but like it's bold conceptually um and it's bold in that it's it's not pandering as directly as it could to the christian audience or the jewish audience or any audience um so sure, it's absolutely awful, but I would encourage seeing it just because it is so weird,
3: yeah,
0: and absolutely. and it
2: and it isn't, you know, contemptible.
0: Totally, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. So, um,
0: so yeah. Anyway. there's that. We really need to move on because yeah, we've, yeah, spent, we've spent
1: an hour and ten minutes on bad criticism and bad movies. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we'll definitely move on.
2: Um, I hope it didn't get but, too carried away. It's just quite. No, a... I,
0: I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Frank. Yeah. Frank, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, Let's talk about Frank. On the other um, uh, TJ, so, well, speaking of... <laughs> I was going to say, well, why don't you explain? Because um, you haven't talked that much yeah. yet.
1: I have seen this one. Frank is a <laughs> a good movie about a musician who sort of is based on oh, yeah. uh, another, another musician, other oh. musicians who are real. And you don't know whether those musicians exist in this universe either, but in the, but this movie is good enough where it doesn't matter, because really,
3: yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> this is a movie about a a guy who is an okay to an okay musician, yeah. Um, who somehow
2: joins eh, a band. He,
0: he, he's kind of mediocre. Yeah, yeah, like uh, probably a better word for it. He's no, nothing, yeah, he's nothing special. Exactly. Um. Uh, I believe that's Dom Hall Gleeson. Which, which originally had a... Well, I'm sorry. I'll let you explain.
1: Oh, yeah. um, I'm just going to do the bare, basic bare bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into the, and then we can get to the nitty-gritty. Um, but he he joins a band that has a very eccentric uh, front man named Frank, who wears a mask because faces are weird, man. And <laughs> we, as we go through the movie, eventually find out why, but really... The first half of this movie is just watching the hijinks ensue, and the second half takes a surprisingly um, like emotional turn. And all the while, this is a movie that isn't really about any message. It's just sort of like a character sketch. Like, and I find yeah. that of both are mediocre musician slash um, probably going to be successful uh, film blogger. Um, or no, no, sorry. A uh, music blogger. Yeah, music
3: blogger. Um, Yeah.
1: And and Frank. So, did yeah. were you guys as taken with the film? Yeah, definitely. As I was. Yeah.
3: Uh,
0: yeah. I I'm I'm thinking Danny might be even more positive than me. Yeah, I'm probably the biggest fan here, but I think we're all pretty positive. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. So
1: see Frank, my next movie. I'm just
0: okay.
3: kidding.
0: <laughs> 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 I, um, my B, um my. Yeah, let's talk about B first. Well, well, uh, I was gonna say with the whole Domhnall Gleeson being the central focus of the film yeah. that put me off, uh, at first, um, partly because, well, for one thing, um, this movie does a thing that is part of a trend that I'm just a little tired of a visual trend that I'm, I, I think too many movies are doing nowadays and they kind of, uh, it, it's something that I'm, once again, I'm tired of, <laughs> um, it's the whole like social media thing where you know someone's yeah. tweeting something and it appears on screen or appears on top of their head, mm. and like that was really awesome when the first se- the first season of Sherlock did it, yeah. um, uh, and now I you know uh, sh- all that stuff's all in Chef. You know, Chef is probably the oh, most gosh. egregious egregious offender of that because i guess it's, there's it's, a new it's really more. over it's really over the top in that but
1: yeah. i guess there's a new more even uh more egregious offender and that is men women and children
3: oh, oh yeah, gosh. yeah yeah yeah
0: uh-huh. we, we do have to see which yeah boy <laughs> boy that trailer yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so but frank um, yeah no I, no I i agree with you that too many movies are doing
0: the it's almost cute Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a cutesy thing. And he he uses a lot of hashtags uh, while he's <laughs> doing it, which, eh, you know, it, it, it could have been more cringe using, but I just, I just kind of wish that movies would get away from doing that. And also, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I said, this guy's a mediocre musician, and, uh, the yeah. you know, this big opportunity just kind of falls in his lap. Yeah. Um. And it, like, at first I thought, you know why are we following this guy? This is almost like a Greg Gatsby situation where, you know, <laughs> you know where Nick Carraway is a blank. You know, no one cares, and then the real star of the, of the thing is, you know, a peripheral sort of vision. You know, uh, to which, you know, that's what Frank would be. Um, is there like a, is there like a fan or something going on in your guys' room? Because I, I hear kind of a. It it might be
2: mine. I actually have no idea what it is, and I don't think I have any control over it. It's oh, okay. coming well, outside, so it might be some like construction or something. Uh well, I don't know. I'm sorry. If, if that's there's fine. That's anything I can do. Yeah. No, 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 that's uh, fine.
0: Um, okay. so as, but then I, you know, as the movie goes on, there, you know, there's a p- really pivotal scene at South by Southwest mm-hmm. because you know they get invited to go or uh, something. I don't remember. It's this big concert scene. And that was really telling about you know both about Frank but also about the Domhnall Gleeson character. Mm -hmm. Um, In that you know this this whole movie you know he was with the band to try to get his own glory I guess you would say or his own kind of stardom, Mm. and then you know while at the same time kind of sack you know making frank sacrificed everything that kind of makes him sane mm-hmm. uh so when i looked at it uh, in that perspective y- you know that that made that made the don monk character make sense make more sense for me and mm-hmm. um it made him more uh more it, it, it made watching him worth it because you know at, at that point i was like oh okay now i get why this character is here
1: i think uh one thing that really helped this character throughout the movie even earlier for me is I really just enjoy hearing Don Gleeson talk. I think he's <laughs> a really nice. I mean, I think he has a really nice voice, a very nice narrative voice. So, so it sort of makes what might be cringe-inducing elsewhere, even though I, I, I find it a bit satirical, like no, I, yeah. like, well, like within the context of the movie. But I feel like his like earnest uh, like voice just... It just sold it immediately for me, even right, though yeah. I, think, I think visually um, I can agree that it's just a trend that hopefully is yeah. just that.
0: Yeah, and also yeah. there are a couple of really, um, really drastic uh, things that happen with a couple of characters mm-hmm. that seem really, uh, when they first happen, it seems like, whoa, whoa, there was no build up to this at all. But then you kind of, you, you realize that these are unpredictable people.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: however I almost wish that this movie explored them a little bit more intimately like you know sure. the, there's a really horrible thing that Maggie Maggie Gyllenhaal does and it makes sense it makes sense with the character but you almost kind of wish you could see uh, her internal working is a little bit more because um, you know the movie spends the majority of, it, of its time exploring Frank and, um, and John and, and John I guess is his name yeah yeah <laughs> Um, uh, but
1: uh, i would say you even get a little bit more at times from don scoot McNary's character the, yeah. the ever chameleon like scoot McNary yeah I'm um, like yeah. oh I, I look at the ending credits like that was scoot McNary yeah i not um, I yeah. didn't
0: even know him but he was he was another example of someone that does a really drastic thing in the you know second or third act of this film, but you know you wish you got to know that side of him before he was. Uh, I'm not gonna before he before he, before, that th- happens, yeah. before that happens, yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Exactly. And they have and they almost have this sort of Spinal Tap thing going with their keyboard players that is oh, played yeah. much more seriously in Frank, um. But obviously it, it, that's not the position you want to be in. in uh, yeah. And,
0: and there's some different um, numbers.
1: Whatever.
0: Yeah. But yeah, this movie. You know, even with its problems, it really redeemed itself at least emotionally for me. Um, you know, especially in the last few scenes, where uh, you know it's really the most naked, the, the the most nakedly emotional this movie gets is in the last yeah. t- t- two or three scenes. Yeah. I, I want to. Well, you, well, well, you to take it. Frank as a really serious character, you know, not or, just or, a gimmick where you know someone just ha- you know has a fake head, blah blah blah. But yeah. you know, it, it becomes really moving, you know, and you know. Mm-hmm. I know we all really love the last song on this film.
2: Yeah, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, I want to address your beefs first, though.
0: Um, Sorry.
2: No, no, it's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, because the, the the thing with the social media, like, I, I on one hand, I get where you're coming from with the visual aspect of it, and I linked a video. Uh, you guys yeah. I'll check it out later, I guess. Um, about the history of like, t- it's from the same channel that did that Edgar Wright visual comedy. Oh, thing. cool. Was actually, yeah, I've been getting it. it's an excellent channel by the way. Every frame of painting, I'll plug it. Um, but uh, anyway, um, uh, the uh, the, the method for depicting texting or tweeting or whatever, um, it, it, it's kind of the, the video kind of argues that Sherlock kind of figured out how to do it. Um, and and I would say that I haven't seen Sherlock, but I saw the example uh, in the yeah. video. And I was like, yeah, okay, it looks pretty good. And I still think it is true, though, that, that people are figuring out a difficult way. I will give credit, though, that I think, I'll agree with TJ, that the, the actual content of John's posts w- was pretty satirical, and it was very good in building his character. Actually, I, I loved those parts, um, other than maybe how they were visually depicted. But even that was a very, very minor bullet of one at all for me. Um, because I think it's hilarious, all so his hashtags and... Uh, all the no, no. yeah, no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. That, that character was really interesting to me, and this is this is um, perhaps a bias I have in that I've been playing music for several years and I've been in, uh, immersed in a music scene for several years, and mm-hmm. I' met different kinds of people and I've met people who are like similar in some ways to each of these characters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these are still unique characters. They're not, I'm not going to say I've met an exact Frank or an exact yeah you know, Don or whatever, but I, I definitely can see elements of them in people I have met, and I've definitely met people like John who are who see themselves on the big stage just for the sake of their like you know stardom. image and substance, yeah as a star rather than like actually having the talent to make that kind of you know the music that you need to be up there. Um, And, uh, I, I know people who are more immersed in it as an art form than they are as a a means for, than as a star vehicle. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it was so interesting because I felt like what the movie was constantly doing was, um, kind of like debunking like myths or like misconceptions. And like, it's, it's, it's a very like, quirky movie, I guess you could say, for, like, yeah. the first, like, you know, I don't know, at least the first couple acts, but not in a, in a grating way. I really don't just yeah. find it obnoxious at all. You could, I think, uh, you,
0: yeah. you could accuse it of that, but I, I, I would argue with yeah, you. Yeah, I would, I would yeah. disagree personally.
2: Yeah. And I think that one reason why I would find it not grating is that it constantly finds the emotional, like, undercurrent within the quirkiness. So, like, every quirky character, it kind of gets into, like, why they act the way they do and mm-hmm. like what real like emotional trauma they're experiencing or like, and, and, and it's great because it, you know, there's this, all these myths about like the kind of tortured genius, like, Oh, you know, that, that John has. So he's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. Like, you know, he thinks, Oh, I have to have a troubled
0: childhood in order to like be a good Oh yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a great line like, um, yeah. earlier they felt like, um, something in mental illness um if only i could be blessed with such gifts or something like that yeah you know, <laughs> trouble yeah. childhood and mental illness that's it yeah
2: that's what it was yeah mm-hmm. um and and it kind of debunks the whole the whole like oh you need to have a tortured life in order to just inspire good art and there's a scene where uh, i won't spoil the content of the scene but it, it essentially says like no like frank has mental illness but that has if anything deterred him from making good music it's not it's not like that was his catalyst. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And there's just several moments like that where it, it really, like, it gets really real. Like, it just gets really, like, it really just looks a lot of things right in the face that a lot of, like, movies wouldn't. And a lot of, like, you know, a lot of, like, quirky, quote-unquote, movies would, like, mm-hmm. put a distance between reality and, like, the quirkiness. But it just, it really gets into the reality of it, which I think was just so mm-hmm. great. Um Mm. but anyway yeah, um, yeah
0: that's a really interesting look at it i'll yeah. certainly i'll certainly consider consider uh, you know what wa- i'm gonna watch it again you know eventually yeah mm. um, but yeah i'll look at those those points you made yeah um we should, and then, yeah uh, but we can all agree on the last scene i just wanted
2: to mention that is the music so you were gonna say we should move on tj
1: no, no, uh oh. there are at least two things I wanted to to mention before oh. we did which is Oh, which, great. Well, then you mentioned and you you're bringing one of them up so go for it.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I just the, the music in general I think was so brilliant like just it, like not even even the like quote-unquote bad music was just brilliant because John's music <laughs> yeah. so paints him as being kind of pandering and just seeing Yeah. Yeah. And his his yeah. music is just really basic pop and it's not like like extremely obvious, like parody kind of like oh look at this terrible musician, but like it's still really basic stuff that just doesn't work. Um, yeah. And then when Frank writes music, like it's great. Like I was genuinely really enjoying. Frank yeah. Music.
0: Like the tuft. Like... The tuft is such a. Great... Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, that was that was a great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded know? me of um, Only Lovers Left Alive because oh, yeah. Tom Hiddleston's you know droney rock music. That was, like, music that I was like, wow, I really want to actually hear this. Yeah. And it's the same with, um, you know, uh, Frank's music. It kind of reminded me of <laughs> – I mentioned this earlier, but it reminded me of uh, Flaming Lips meets Talking Heads, you know, stuff like that. Right.
2: Yeah, it, it was it was excellent music, and I think the tough definitely was a highlight. Um and then I love you all at the end. It's yeah, so, yeah. Just oh gosh, it's like honestly one of my favorite songs of the year at this point. Period. Outside of even cinema, I mean, it's just excellent, and it was just such an emotionally uplifting <laughs> moment. And I, I'm not understating this when I think it actually might be my favorite film ending, or, if not my favorite film ending of the year, it's at least in my top like five. I mean, I mean Same. we have a we have a pretty great year where we have Boyhood's ending, we have Snowpiercer's ending. So I, I shouldn't necessarily go ahead and say that it's definitely my favorite, but it's it's certainly <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: grant. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. What would did you say? The immigrant? No. Oh, actually, yeah. no.
2: It's true. The immigrant as well. <laughs> no,
1: that's just so I'm playing. No, I agree. It, yeah, it, th- that's, those are all
2: scene. probably my top five film endings of the year. But, uh, but yeah, go on, go on.
1: No, yeah, the last scene. I mean, I agree. Um, yeah, the, and I think I love you all is. I mean, I, I've been listening to it pretty consistently over the past week since yeah. I first watched the yeah. film on VOD, and it's funny. I've only seen six movies since the last podcast, and all of them. Or I've been on VOD. Um, but yeah, I think that not only does it, does it speak to the people who wrote the songs for the film, but also to the performers, which is the other point I wanted to bring up, which is Michael Fassbender and every and, and just the other performances in the movie, but especially Michael Fassbender. Um, th- this guy is showing. He's, I mean, he always sort of plays a, a charismatic but slightly off-putting character in a lot of his films where he he's sort of magnetic but also you can tell there's something sort of dark about him and 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 at least most of his movies I, i think that that's sort of what he is going for sure and but this is such a different version of that because yeah when he wears the mask he is so animated and free to just move about and not because because no one can see your facial expressions and that's sort of like the number one tool for an actor but, but when you take away the tool, you sort of have a more interesting performance because it's almost like a silent performance I mean yeah he does give a vocal performance but
0: yeah. it's it's a lot of bo- it's a lot of body language
1: yeah exactly and then um, I mean in the final parts of this movie is sort of like I, I guess all I'll say is turns that on his head a bit and uh-huh. the performance ob- changes drastically for I mean in an interesting way that Pretty much made it for me in a way. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, so see it. I think the last movie that we've all three seen was
2: Coherence. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look at the doctor. Right. Pretty sure you're right.
0: Which I don't think we can give a lot of time to because it's mm-hmm. hard to talk about this movie without, without going, spoiling it. Yeah. Spoiling it and. I don't know if I'm prepared to do a whole spoiler discussion on this because it's been a little while since I've seen it. I don't uh, want to be more, you know. Uh, yeah, sure, no, that's fine. Yeah. But, um, essentially, this film uh, is it's sort of a science fiction film. Uh, sort of a, uh, uh, you know, a Primer is an is an influence. I hear a lot of people a lot of people reference. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's that it's it's like that in a way that you need to, you know almost watch, watch it multiple times to really even understand what goes on at some points mm-hmm. uh, and figure out all imaginations. Um, I don't even want to talk about what the main twist is, but it begins with a bunch of friends at um, was sort of a housewarming party or not a housewarming Yeah, it's like a dinner party. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, a di- like a dinner party, um, yeah. a group of friends. And, you know, you get to know them pretty well off off the bat, you know. Even the conversations before the thing happens is, mm. uh, you know, are really you know character informing and you know, they they don't waste time with that, but mm-hmm. um, a comet is also is also um, going through the sky for the first time in what a few thousand years. Um,
3: uh-huh.
0: They gave some some specific number in the film, yeah, and um, things change. Yeah, it's hard to. You can't really go into what what changes uh, or what, you know, the sensual, uh, you know, device or sort of trick of the film even is because it's just – it's really something you could just got to look at yourself.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, one thing that I, I was impressed immediately with the performances
3: um,
2: and uh, I don't know if everyone will agree but I was – there's I mean there's an opening scene in the car. But then as soon as that ends and it hits the, the dinner party itself, as soon as the dinner party started, I was just engrossed by the, the performances because there, um, a little bit of context, there um, uh, there wasn't a script. There was just kind of like a, a treatment and then the um, director oh, yeah. gave notes, like kind of told each actor like what their character was going to go through that day or whatever uh, or that shoot, like whatever. Um yeah and uh, excuse me and um it really creates some naturalistic performances. Um yeah like, like the characters felt like people i knew like the kind of yuppie type but they all had they all were distinctive in, in one way or another i i think yeah. relatively speaking.
0: You can um, you can uh, use the term mumblecore that you know uh, some people now like to use as kind of a i don't know kind of an pejorative. insult at pejorative like you know, kind of like how twee is used nowadays, which I also yeah. kind of hate. Um, yeah. but you know, it is that kind of style of naturalistic, you know, um, cam- especially with the camera work, which is very handheld and not always in focus. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. some crash crash dooms and such. I would say if I have one beef with the movie is that it's you know I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't think <laughs> that particular style suits the film very well. Or makes it any more cinematic than it could be, um, because uh, I don't know. I find that kind of imprecise um, shooting style almost in contrast to the, you know, in the needed preciseness of the uh, of the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things yeah. that happen, you know, because you know, with, when you're doing what this movie eventually does, it's got to work like clockwork, you know, and I wish yeah. I wish the shooting style affected, you know, had that same kind of economy to it sure, um, I, I will
2: agree that, you know primer is what it gets compared to sometimes, and one thing primer even though I like coherence better actually personally
0: yeah, yeah, um, yeah me too
2: Yeah, um, primer, um Definitely has a better visual style. Just Shane Carruth has yeah, it's it's a little
0: yeah, it's more of a controlled kind of confident visual style, and I think that this film would have been better serviced with something like that. Yeah, but you know, it might have been a little bit harder to do it that way without a strict script that they're sticking to. I think because a lot lot of the stuff is improvised. It just it's just easier to shoot that way in a documentary style. You
2: you You don't really have as much like control over like the blocking and that kind of stuff. So you can't Mm -hmm. really yeah um but but and that's for that reason i, I wasn't you know totally torn down by that because I, I i really appreciated that improvised feel and and I think
3: I would not the visual have traded
2: style the... yeah yeah you're right yeah I would not have traded the visual style yeah. for the improvised feel yeah. so yeah. all right mm-hmm. um, yeah um but anyway, yeah, the performances though it, it even just in the early Scene before the conceit even introduces itself um the characters kind of build themselves in in really kind of hilarious ways. I think the whole bit with the ketamine was pretty funny, and there's that one guy oh, yeah um who was consistently making me laugh, but I forgot his name, but he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer apparently. yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah he
1: was, uh, the 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 guy who drinks yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh anyway, yeah, so. So yeah, I mean, it, that aspect we were, it's hard. To, it's it is hard to talk about the the because we haven't even really said it is basically yeah. There's basically a, a high concept, you know, science fiction element that introduces itself, but the performances do not change, and that's one thing that anchored it for me was uh, that um, they, act, they act like how actual people would. Would react yes. to this sort of thing. Exactly. That's why mm-hmm. it felt, yeah, which was which was great. That's the difference between this and Primer is Primer is like, you know, a bunch of, it's like, or not a bunch, it's like two, like,
3: engineers, really, yeah. yeah,
2: it's like two engineers, like, speaking in technical jargon for like, an hour, for like I don't know, 77 minutes or so. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's already difficult to follow this extremely Byzantine logic in Primer. Yeah. Um, and while it's interesting... It's hard to really get an emotional sense from it, um but yeah, coherence is like the, the opposite almost yeah, um, and
0: what happens and what you know the characters end up doing is you know it makes it is fulfilling for you know a few of the different characters what ends up happening mm-hmm. uh, and what they end up choosing to do,
2: yeah, and that's an, it's yeah. an interesting there there's i guess who you' consider the protagonist to be um has a, a sort of character flaw of like having a hard time committing to a decision or like or like really um let's see like choosing a path with confidence and in in that this character kind of uh i don't know is too hesitant they lose out on opportunities and there comes a character development where they decide like no more and i thought that was really an interesting development. In yeah,
0: yeah, I it makes sense.
1: I think what separates uh, Coherence from like um, from other speculative science fiction stories, um, especially big budget ones, is that it has a concept and it runs with it, but it doesn't overtake the characters. In that, yeah. it gives the yes. characters things to do ways to react decisions to make conversations to have because otherwise in lesser hands this could have just been um dinner party goes wrong yeah (laughs) and it's not these people get together and they have
3: dinner and do drugs
1: but like it's it's not that it i mean it has these science fiction Uh, elements it gets really trippy i would even say but it manages to ground itself, and in, in what you guys are saying is sort of a realism, a naturalism
3: yeah. that
1: does not contrast with it, doesn't work, work in conflict, but actually works really well with the style. Mm-hmm. Even if yeah. we say maybe the visual style might conflict a bit with it, the actual pull off, I think, is pretty spectacular. This is one of the more interesting movies of the year, easily. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. All right, so
1: <coughs> I hope that um, was coherent.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so. <clears throat> TJ, how about you talk about the few movies that? Oh, well, actually, me and Danny are the only ones that have seen Calvary. Uh huh. That's
2: true. And then we can we don't have to spend a ton of time on that. Yeah.
3: And then, um... How
1: about we do? The, how about you guys spend five minutes on Calvary, and I'll spend five minutes quickly suggesting all I, I liked every movie I saw, throwing them out okay, there good. for recommendations, and then we yeah. can do DVDs. Um, I,
0: so I I have great. a few. I have a few I can go through. Right. Um. Yeah. How about I go through a few of them? Right. A few of my own that i've seen right now yeah
1: um, just, just okay so and yeah and, or all right. not
0: <laughs> all right so i all right so i saw what did i see i i saw the i saw the drop last night that's the most recent film that, that has come mm-hmm. out i i really dug it we're going to talk about it a little bit more after uh after you both see it um but uh, it's it's already it's already one of my favorite movies of the year it's really tense really like almost scary in a way mm-hmm. um the l- the last scene kind of blew it a little bit for me but that's fine i you know it, it dropped it down a little bit for me it really would have been in like my top 10 favorite movies of the year if that last scene was not there and mm-hmm. i can't talk about why but um yeah, i guess i'll see if it's uh it's a really great movie it you know it doesn't reinvent the whole gangster movie wheel, but it's a great wheel, and you know mm-hmm. it does all of its genre conventions right, and you know mm-hmm. it 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 does justice to them. It does 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 justice of the great talent that's in the movie. You know, it's the final James Gandolfini performance, and you know his performance. You can't help but think of Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because uh, he, he's doing that same kind of voice. You know, um, but you know, you know the characters are different and. Uh, you know, it's just it's, it's just nice to see him do that kind of thing one more time. Uh, yeah. And he and he is always really great. To, he's always been really great to watch. And, yeah. Tom, and Tom Hardy, you know, he he's just one of the great actors of our generation. I mean, mm-hmm. he can do so much, and he just yeah. becomes completely different people. And the, his char- his character arc is he's one of my favorite. He's li- seriously one of my favorite characters. I've seen in the movie this year and I can't even explain why yet <laughs> until you guys yeah. see it, you know. Um Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so the the drop is is really great. Um I also saw what if it's not really in theaters anymore, but I'll talk about it anyway. Um sort of a romantic comedy starring Daniel Radcliffe okay. and um Zoe Kazan and uh, one of the one of the reasons I was lo- actually kind of looking forward to it is because it was directed by um hold up one sec no wait okay i'm looking it up online and it's it was michael Dowse or dows yeah and it's um and it's uh it's canadian and uk title or not uk its original canadian title is uh the f word which is a much more interesting title than what if cuz what if doesn't even make sense but, but but even then is you know directed by Michael Dowes and he directed uh, Goon, which is seriously one of my favorite comedies of the last five years mm. or so. So that made me that made me excited and I, 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 I gotta tell you I was rooting for this movie for the most part you know, uh you know the the dialogue is not you know while not being quite as just filthy as the dialogue in Goon, it's it still has that same kind of quick wit to it, um, you know, and you know, kind of semi raunchy humor, uh, but it, you know, it's it's pulled off pretty well. It's plenty funny throughout, especially uh, especially Adam Driver, who's is, is one of my favorite people <laughs> right now, just in general. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, and um, and he but uh here here's the thing in the last act you know for a romantic comedy like this you know if you're gonna enjoy one, you're gonna have to deal with deal with some conceit and some uh, kind of contrivances. It's just the nature of the genre but there's a point that you know if a movie reaches or surpasses then I'm just kind of out you know and this movie you know reaches a point where it does, one of the characters does something that's both cliched and just absurd and just a really just s- s- dumb decision that and and it really took me out of the movie. and then the movie kind of uh, starts to redeem itself uh, with one scene that would have been a perfect way to end the movie with you know enough sort of validation, but it doesn't go overboard. Um, you know, uh, but then it continues. And goes on for another five minutes or so and it's just like the most the ultimate like um like guarantee of closure, you know, like uh, yeah, it, yeah, like like they couldn't dare leave anything hanging, you know, by the end of this movie. <laughs> they had to have total closure for everyone, just so everyone could be okay.
3: Yeah.
0: And um yeah, that uh that that kinda left a bad taste in my mouth by the time it ended. So, mm-hmm. you know, I liked it uh, I would have liked it more if the third act didn't blow it for me, but third act mm. can of blow it for me so yeah. but you know uh, check it out once on d v d it's it's definitely a good it, it's a nice date movie too you <laughs> know um yeah. let's see I know there's at least uh okay I'll, I'll just quickly go through sin City it's already out yeah. of theaters <laughs> uh one of the worst movies of the year yeah and i'm i'm pretty I'm predisposed to like sort of a pulpy campy mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just sleazy crime, th- you know, comic booky crime movie, you know, sort of exploitation type, type neo noir type of thing. Uh, this movie does it has all the ingredients to make a fun movie like that, and just squanders all of it. So, don't see it. I'm sure you haven't, because it mm-hmm. bombed. And then uh, I saw the trip to Italy, which I mostly liked, but the more I'm thinking about it, the more, the more The more I realized I was a little bit bored during it because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some amazingly funny bits. Like in the first The Trip, um, there's this whole routine about, you know, uh, where uh, Steve Coogan and Robert Bryden do dueling Michael Caine impersonations. And they bring that back in this film, but instead – you know, instead of just Michael Caine, they go through the entire cast of The Dark Knight Rises, and mm-hmm. the, they're like, I've, I've had enough of Bane impersonations over the last two years. I've heard enough of mm-hmm. them; they're just not even funny to me anymore. But the way they do it in this film, like I, 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 I was almost crying. I was laughing so hard, and there's there's a few other moments that are just match that kind of golden quality of laughs. Mm-hmm. And then you know, when it tries to be kind of melancholy, is when it loses me a little bit because I. I don't know, just part of me just isn't buying it. I I'm not really sure what it is, but uh, you know, that's another one where if it's on you, you, you know, if it's on TV or if it's on DVD, I recommend renting it or you, uh-huh. you know, spending some time watching it.
3: And that's okay. it. I, I
2: I have a question about that film. Um so <laughs> my girlfriend works at a theater that is showing it and she keeps telling me yep. that people, I guess old people presumably are <laughs> walking out of the film
0: and asking for refunds.
2: Probably, Is there anything that could like a that would uniformly... Well, it's rated it.
0: it's rated R. And there's there's not nice language, I guess. Hmm. Um, the, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, if you're one of those old people that don't like to hear, doesn't like to hear the bad language, then <laughs> uh, most movies probably aren't for you. But I guess yeah. this
3: one,
0: <laughs> I guess this one isn't either. Just uh, like yeah. what if probably isn't for you either. You know, I'm sure. If, I'm sure if they old people walked into what if because the you know if you only see the trailer for the trip to Italy it, you don't even know who Steve Coogan is which I'm willing to guess a lot of people don't a lot a lot of old people that's what I meant to say a lot mm. of old people don't then I can understand where it, it almost seems like a you, you know old people restaurant movies you know like the oh. 100, the hundred foot journey with British people you know
1: <laughs> are you telling me not every old person in the country saw Philomania last year. Phil- philomania <laughs> that's that's what leonardo DiCaprio called it sorry uh, um, yeah.
0: really wow
1: uh no he had to introduce at the golden globes because the award goes to philomania
0: okay <laughs> all right oh, um, yeah. but anyways yeah um th- that's the last of the movies <laughs> i've seen alone and yeah. um danny you and i can talk about quick uh quickly talk about the calvary
3: oh,
0: um, sure. yeah. which i uh, i wasn't that into and i kind of wish yeah. i was yeah, um, you know, I I get where you're coming from,
2: and I actually yeah. I, I wanted to like it more too, um, but I did like it. I thought it
0: was really interesting, and actually like it's, a, it's an interesting movie that I yeah. didn't really like. You know, <laughs> yeah. at the very least, it's it's about a fascinating subject.
1: Yeah, and and
2: it, it's one of those I admired a little more after I read more about it afterwards because I was like, wow, you know, this really was pretty ambitious. Like it, the whole um. Well, the, the premise is it, it, the opening scene I thought was, like, incredible. And I was like, wow, if it yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. this up, I, I'll, like, totally love this. But then it, it kind of dips. But the opening scene, it's um, Brendan Gleeson. He's a priest. And he's in uh, confession. And someone's confessing to him that they were molested by a priest when they were young. And now they're going to kind of take revenge on the church by killing a good priest and not a bad one uh so
0: brenny gleason is the
2: good priest. is the good priest yeah so they're like meet me at the beach on sunday and i'll kill you um basically
0: and this is basically the last the week before
2: yeah so it just goes through all happens. the seven days and it basically also kind of goes through the seven deadly sins i think like it kind of uh i
0: didn't really i i didn't get a lot of that you know like yeah. that's when it gets all conceptual like that
2: yeah that's you know, the problem, those characters kind of is it is it is arguably kind of contrived because it's sort of it sort of puts Brendan gleason through these like trials like he has to meet all these sinners within his little community and try to help them even though they resist him so much um
3: yeah and
0: um. Uh, some of those characters are just a little hard to, to oh my stomach God. there like, was one that was like all like oh i know what you're talking about what was he like singing or something
2: you mean the the like gay, male prostitute
0: one? That that guy. Oh my yeah, God, I that. was that, cringing. just. Yeah, he just. That, he, I don't know. He had was unfucking bearable. Like. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to make a huge deal out of that, but boy <laughs> did I, boy did I hate that character. <laughs> I understand.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of that character either. But some of them were really interesting. Um,
0: I just. I like the that, daughter. I like the daughter a lot. Yeah, the so daughter was my, interesting. My favorite scenes were between him and her. You know. Yeah. Here's the thing, like. You know, even though this is a movie I'm not into, I at least was interested in watching it because, um, well, Brendan Gleeson he's one of my favorite actors. And he and was this,
3: great. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he, and he yeah. was he was really he was really incredible, and yeah. um, he, and, and this was directed by John Michael McDonough, who's the brother of um, Michael or Martin, no, sorry, Martin McDonough, yeah. who was the director of In Bruges, which is really one of my favorite comedies of the last ten years. You can call it a comedy; it's like a black comedy. But uh Brennan Gleason is also in and that's my favorite role that he's done. Mm. Um I don't know if you've seen that film or not, but it you know. I haven't yet, but I did same, see Seven, Psychopaths. Seven Psychopaths, which which I like I like it's a lot of fun. It's not it's no, not, Psychopaths it's, is not good. it's not up to the level of um uh Imbruge to me 'cause that that's just Yeah, I probably would yeah. like
2: Imbruge more myself, but I did really like Seven Psychopaths, so Yeah,
0: yeah, same here. Yeah. Um but yeah, like this movie has a lot of ingredients that I'm uh, the second movie this week with Domhnall Gleeson in it, oh, the, yeah, the son of <laughs> so uh, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? I mean, they're related. Yeah, you didn't yeah.
1: know. So Bill Weasley Bobby is, is Mad Eye Moody's son. <laughs> yeah.
0: that yep. is, he is Bill Weasley. Oh my God. <laughs> Are you telling me? This is
1: this is getting this is all getting incestuous. I'm confused.
0: Okay, I did not <laughs> know that. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: that's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's also in Unbroken the oh that's right the yeah. uh, the angel angel leaf as I'm about, the and i'm about to get to that Donald, moment never. yeah <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh my god and he's in the new and he's gonna be in the new star wars oh yeah interesting yeah. Uh, but anyways <laughs> um it, it's kind of like the, the there's a good nugget of this film but then a lot of the stuff surrounding it uh just kind of Watered all that down for me i I don't know yeah. like it's been it's been a good few weeks since I've seen it, so
3: yeah.
0: I'm not the best to you know analyze it or whatever, and I'm willing to try it again you know i've yeah
3: I've, yeah I,
0: sure. I've come out of movies hating them, and it might be your I've, the I've, counselor and, you know, yeah, yeah. I, the, I was gonna mention that when I saw the counselor in the theaters, I fucking hated that movie, and then I saw the director's cut because I've heard enough enough great people that I trust saying. Having completely different interpretations, and you know, I might have just went in and accepting something, and expecting a film that it wasn't going to be. Mm-hmm. Um But then I watched the the cut, and I'm like, wow, this is actually one of the best movies of 2013. I need but, to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, be- yeah. You guys really need to see it. Yeah. Um, it's strange movie. Strange movie. And then the, the <laughs> Calvary might be that way too. I might look at this movie. Um. Yeah. you know down the road and, and 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 like it more who knows but
2: yeah it's it's certainly very interesting and it has some problems and i guess we don't need to t- talk about it, just huge length about it but i mean it, i recommend seeing it it's it's good and it's it has a few it has at least a couple really powerful scenes i thought the ending was pretty powerful too um but the, but the opening is the most powerful i think personally um so yeah and and the performances from the main from most of the characters are, are pretty great Brendan Gleeson is excellent I think Chris O'Dowd was good I think Kelly uh, O'Reilly is that her name? Kelly Riley yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Um, she was good and, yeah
0: um, she, she's, an, she's an interesting character actress that I like
2: yeah yeah totally so anyway yeah recommended I think even Robbie you would probably recommend at least yeah, trying it yeah right? yeah
0: yeah at yeah. least trying it once on DVD or something because it might not be in a lot of theaters well it might be yeah it's actually still in a theater right now that the theater that you know, um, yeah, it might, it might so, yeah. still be for me. So, you know, I'd try it out. You know, it didn't work for me, but it might work for you. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: Um, see, I, I'm I'm gonna get in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. T.J. Uh, four yeah.
1: F- four blurbs in five minutes. I'm gonna do it. All right.
3: Okay. So, and we can we'll talk about to, these hmm. movies
1: more at length next next time if like if you guys see them. Anyway, oh yeah, sure, but I'm just yeah. gonna recommend four movies. All four I liked at uh, at different levels. The best of the four is startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. It is a movie starring um oh who is it Jack, Jack O'Connell Thank you Jack O'Connell who is also going to be in Angelina oh, Jolie's yeah. Unbroken he is fantastic in this uh British uh prison drama that undercuts every cliché and really creates a just a fascinating character drama family drama even it expands past that and the best scenes of the film involve a uh counselor named Oliver who is taking all these uh, British prisoners through counseling. However, again, it undercuts every cliche about what you expect a counselor in a prison. Like, it's just it's so good. It's a gritty movie. first 15 minutes have very little dialogue. Very reminiscent of Steve McQueen's hunger, though some oh, wow, people are saying wow. it's better than hunger and I wow. don't agree with, I don't agree with that.
0: Hunger okay. is still Hunger is still my favorite. Still,
1: Hunger is like
2: an incredible film. Actually, exactly. Um, I mean,
1: it, for me, it's between Hunger and Twelve Years, but yeah, it's, I mean, yeah.
0: me too, actually. But it, yeah.
1: I mean, like, no, like, it's not quite that good, but that is a stupid. Twelve com- Years is an easy second for me. Yeah, at least um, give me that. <laughs> it um, it is not. I think that's, I think that that's a it's a problematic um comparison okay. to make only because these two films don't have to be in competition. They can sure. Both yeah, that, that's. Um, a, I actually think you're right about that. But um, but b- between Jack O'Connell, um, and oh, who's his dad? Uh, Michael. Oh, oh Michael.
2: Men- yeah. Or no, ben, ben Mendelsohn.
1: Ben, thank you. Uh, ben Mendelssohn. Yeah. I mean, just the performances across the border. Ace. Uh, only issue. <laughs> maybe subtitles would be useful. I was gonna ask oh! you that.
2: Yeah, because I read someone say like, please watch this with
0: subtitles if you can.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You could get. This
0: ne- is a 99% of Rotten Tomatoes. I just saw.
1: Yeah. Oh no, oh. it is. It, it, it's required viewing. Essential. It would be in my top ten, uh, but I don't. I can't knock off Ida. Uh, so. Um, yeah, you better not. Yeah, it's really close to my top ten films of the year. Yeah. Um And. Oh, it, well, I I,
0: like, I got to look at it then.
1: I watched uh, it with closed captioning on Amazon because. <sighs> Amazon. So yeah. I had the closed captioning box at the bottom, but it was worth it because yeah. it's really hard to understand them, and all the slang still kind of goes over your head. Start up means you go from the, the juvenile system to the uh, to the grown-up system. I don't know what you
0: would call ah, it. Okay. Um, I was wondering Jack, about
1: that. And Jack O'Connell's character has obviously been through issues a lot, and then in the first 15 minutes of the movie, you find out his dad is in the same prison, played by Ben Mendelsohn. So sort of like that that's where the family drama comes in. But it yeah. it, it undercuts the cliches. And it's, yeah. it's just a fascinating, highly recommended movie. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm really cool. uh, and yeah, you're right, it's Jack O'Connell actually, when I said O'Donnell earlier, but apparently he's quite good in not only this, but in seventy
1: one too. He, so he's having a coming he's twenty five, I believe. He's having his coming out part of this year and it's gonna be funny. When like oh this startup movie this movie's so great who's this great unknown actor and he gets nominated for an Oscar later this year
0: yeah <laughs> that
1: would be kind of funny yeah
0: that'd be really yeah. cool
1: for yeah, yeah. For, uh, for his work with Angelina Jolie um yeah. all right movie number two quickly Night Moves I just watched it last night I yeah. rented it and it's another good Jesse Eisenberg movie um Kelly Reichard directed the film this is my first yeah. Kelly Reichard film but yeah. from hearing what Robbie and other people I trust have said. Um, this is very much in tune with her style. It's slow. It's methodical. Yeah. Beautiful. But it's a thriller, a heist movie almost, well, eco-terrorist movie, um, starring uh, Dakota Fanning and Jesse Eisenberg. And it is just so pitch perfect in its quietness. Um, I I might end up liking it more after thinking about it more. And and, and you guys were talking about how uh, What If has to have that perfect ending. This is the exact opposite. The ending kind of makes you like, wonder if that's really the ending but then you think about it and like wait no that actually really works really well we kind of wow have, it, it's
0: i don't want to i'm looking forward it. to it now mm. I, I don't want to
1: oversell it because i he, everyone says it's not as good as meek's cutoff but i haven't seen meek's cutoff so i don't have a
0: comparative point uh I, pre- I prefer wendy and lucy i haven't i haven't yeah.
1: seen i have, this is my first like I, she there's, really,
0: there's, she really like, she really loves to do all the cinematic things that I enjoy, <laughs> like, like um, no music, just long, yeah. long takes. Very little you music, know, long no, takes, um, yes.
1: And, and they're sneaky long takes, like they're they're not obvious, like in a like Steve McQueen's use of long take, which is yeah. awesomely obvious. Which is awesome, so,
0: but you know it's obvious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: But um, uh, I'm really, I'm pretty sure this movie was shot on digital. I. I probably should look it up and not look completely ignorant. Yeah. But I'm liking some of the color. Like, I've been watching a lot of Michael Mann movies recently. his his Miami Vice and all that. And I really like the way that some of these auteurs can sort of pay attention to color scheme and color temperature, which is completely differently captured on a lot of these sort of um, digital cameras. And she does a great job of capturing... Uh, the temperature of the scene and also of the environment of Oregon around these
0: characters. So yeah, she's uh, really great with environments. That's one of the best parts of the cinematography of uh, Mink's Cut Off. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't want to oversell it. I'm not going to say it's in my top ten, but I'm going to say I really do recommend Night Moves, um, mm. which came out a while ago. It's but it's available on, on DVD right now. Um, Good. Rich Hill, the best documentary I've seen this year. Um, nice. Uh, it. I, I'm a little biased because it takes place in uh an area that is 40 minutes away from me um and even my hometown is mentioned in the movie uh follows three kids all uh rural poor so you know that these kids don't really have much of a future and they have so many issues when it comes to uh parenting when it comes to um uh, one kid is odd another kid to me seems uh uh, highly learning disabled, um, like and you just fall for these kids. And I'm an, I mean, I'm an educator. I, I have kids like this because I teach in a rural district. So to me, this is the best documentary I've seen this year. And we've had good documentaries. Uh, uh, Yeteraski's Dune, Ebert's uh, film, the National movie. These are all really good um, documentaries. But this is the first one where I really fall for the characters in nonfiction storytelling so um it's for me that makes it the best because at the end when you don't get any answers and you just realize that these people are still alive these people are are gonna like you, they're almost doomed to repeat the mistakes of their parents mm. you sort of it's just it's heartbreaking mm. but also i wow nice. so yeah when raymore missouri is mentioned in a movie i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> that's mm. my hometown but, yeah. but yeah, Rich Hill, I really recommend it. It won Best Documentary at Sundance, and deservedly mm. so. Um, it also was a Kickstarter movie. I didn't know that until I, I was watching the credits, huh. and they said thank oh, cool. you to all our Kickstarter backers. And last but not least, Terry Gilliam's uh, Zero Theorem. It is not top-tier Gilliam, but it is a return to form after two bad movies. And I haven't seen Tideland. It's the only Gilliam film I haven't seen. But Dr. Parnassus is a mess, and... Um, And The Brothers Grimm is a cash-in. It's it's a bad movie. I don't like either of those movies very much. But I'm such a big fan of everything he did between uh, uh, his Monty Python work through 12 Monkeys and Fear and Loathing in Las Las Vegas. I'm really big fans of everything in between. Mm -hmm. And this is a return to form of that style. It has such... All these goofy performances. And it's, yes... It's very much in tune with Brazil and 12 Monkeys in that it's sort of like this, you know, Orwellian nightmare. Mm-hmm. But it also does feel different from those movies. And a lot of it comes from this really weird performance by Christoph Waltz. And yes, Christoph yeah. Waltz with a really weird performance, which yeah. isn't really that uh, atypical. But um, it's if, pretty much it's a Gilliam fa- film for Gilliam fans, so... Cool. Yeah. And I'm a Gillian fan, so I will be seeing it. Yeah. Prefer- and, yeah, and yeah could, me too. And, and that could be a better or for worse thing because um, because his style is decidedly not for everyone, including mm. people who
0: are really smart. So,
1: yeah. So, so, four movies. Go see him. So, really quick DVD, Rex.
0: Um, I got one.
1: Okay. So, um, do you have one, Danny? Yeah, I have one. Okay. So, cool. Uh,
0: Robbie, you start. I'll finish. Okay. Um,. I saw this uh, maybe a month ago, but it, it, it's really stuck with me ever since. It was on um, it was on Movie.com, which is this cool, m- sort of curated movie streaming site where you know, 30 movies. One of them, you know, if, if you get it the first of the month, they're available 30 days. Um, really cool. I saw a film called In Vonda's Room. It's a hmm. it's a Portuguese film directed by a director by the name of pedro costa um oh, okay. it's uh it's this three hour um kind of so, kind of documentary kind of narrative uh i wouldn't even say narrative but kind of scripted it, it's it categorized as a docu fiction which you know so some of abbas kiristami's movies are also put mm-hmm. under it's different than that it's um it's in uh it takes place in uh, sort of the uh, sort of the shanty towns in the outskirts of Lisbon, Portugal, and it's kind of about the daily life of of um, the people that live there. Um, most of which are, you know, uh, heroin junkies, and um, I, I don't mean that condescendingly. I mean heroin addicts, um, and it, it's about this. The, this very uh, kind of low-tier way of life that they're kind of forced into. And during the shooting of this film, the neighborhood is being demolished. It was slowly demolished by this, but, but you know, by the government. Um, and they're all going to be relocated, and there's another film that came out after this that's all about them in their new area. Um, but I, th- I think... Th- There is a way to do this type of film that is very like wagging your finger and looking down at them or trying to make you feel sorry for them in a kind of manipulative way. And this film is the anti all of that and it displays addiction as, yes, a very kind of uh, testing thing, uh, a very trying uh, thing to go through, but also – uh, you know, addiction when it reaches the point of being mundane and being just a thing you have to deal with uh, to, to live an, an adequate life. And, you know, with the demolishment part, that's where the documentary stuff comes in, and, you know, you don't know what exactly is scripted and what isn't. Uh, there are buildings you see in the beginning and the middle of the film that you see the actual them actually tearing down by the end of the film. And,. Uh, it becomes powerful and you you because you spend 3 hours in this neighborhood it it feels like a home for you in a way even if it's a striking one and it was shot on digital video one of the earliest sort of independent films i think you know uh, sort of art house films to you know really display the possibilities of digital fil- digital video i i know that you know a lot of people prefer celluloid and i understand that you know but you know Pedro Costa is like a one-man crew, and he straight up lived in this neighborhood, so there's no way he could have feasibly shot this on film. You know, I don't know how many how many hours of footage you must have accumulated, but this is a really strange, really powerful, haunting movie. Um, that you know, it, it's uh, it's it was on movie, but so it was on movie, but it's not anymore. But it's uh, streaming on. Hulu Plus on the Criterion Collection. So, you know, <laughs> if you can stand to watch it, you, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a repulsive movie for some people, but you know, I think it's a, for me, you know, I think it's a really beautiful movie and with some really striking photography and everything. So, yeah, check it check it out <laughs> if yeah, you have I'd, the time.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'd like to eventually give it a go. It looks very oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, I spent way too much time on that, so...
2: That's
3: okay.
0: Y'all, y'all um, give
2: yours. Sure. Um, So I think, TJ, you said you wanted to go last, right? Uh, Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Um, So I watched, um, Robbie will be pleased, um, Offside. Um, cool. And uh, from Jafar Panahi. Um, I don't know. Yeah,
0: right. yeah, that's right. That um, is right.
2: Yeah, and um, yeah, it was quite good. It's my introduction to him. Um, and I was, uh, um, originally supposed to watch the circle, which I know Robbie kind of considers yeah. a masterpiece. And yeah, I, yeah. I watched this one instead and, uh, I was like, Oh, I wonder if it will be as good, but it, it, it was quite good. It, it really, it deals with, um, the oppression of women in Iran, but,
0: um, which was the circle yeah. also deals also. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a theme running, kind of running through his work. I imagine. One, one yeah. of the main reasons why he is under house arrest, as
2: yeah, I def- uh, has been yeah, much
0: publicized. Exactly,
2: um, but it um, is pretty subtle about it. There's definitely no sermonizing, and uh, it, yeah. it, one really great part about it is it shows how it affects everyone, not just the woman, but the men too. And um, it, uh, it, it, it it basically the, the, the premise is it's a bunch of. The, girls who try to sneak into a soccer game because girls are not allowed in soccer games in Iran because there's too much cussing and because the men are, like, wearing short shorts yeah. and they don't you know.
0: Well, um, women aren't allowed to do a lot of things in Iran. Yeah, yeah so,
2: you know. Um, but so it's all these girls who tried to sneak in and got caught, so they're in this little, like, caged-off area being monitored by these, like, you know, I don't know, young men who are have to work this job and it's great because it it makes it clear that you know these men don't really like doing this either and they think it's kind of dumb too but they're like really forced to to be a part of this duty um and uh i don't know it's 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 i won't get too into it like the premise is, is is already great and it's it's quite funny actually um, the characters are, are, are really, um, magnetic and, uh, there's a lot of just, you can distinguish the characters pretty well. Um, and it, it, it really makes the, the politics, like criticizes the politics artfully and subtly, I think. And that was really great. And it's also quite touching at points I I think it was just a really well-rounded film that really integrates its commentary, uh, well, like with finesse, so I, I would I would definitely recommend this movie.
0: Great, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it. I have the DVD at home.
2: Yeah.
0: So
1: yeah. my recommendation is is quite different. Um, I want
0: to be done in five minutes. I so got
1: going. The it, it's so. it's a, it's a two in one, but it's quick because it's I'm talking the same way. Is Francis Ford Coppola's tetro and Twixt oh, two yeah. of his more recent films shot digitally and by. Uh, Mihai Malamir Jr., who also shot *The Master*, and these are sort of like maligned movies. Um, they, they critically uh, bashed, uh, and they don't. There doesn't seem to be a lot of appreciation for Coppola's recent work. But I kind of fell for both of them, including the very campy, amazingly fun uh, *Twixt*, um, starring Fat Val Kilmer and uh, Elle Fanny. <laughs> um, but I, I would say they're both used cinematography in such interesting ways because tetro is black and white digital but also has these flashbacks that are in like a different aspect ratio and in color with so just sort of the contrast of the two ways of shooting and it's just it's some adventurous filmmaking coppola has gone back from this sort of master of the epic and making all these great films in the 70s with the first two godfathers the conversation and apocalypse now and has gone back to become a young filmmaker. So one who's just willing just to to make a movie on the cheap with some in, uh, and experiment the hell out of it it's just it, it it's fun watching this guy do this Tetro is more of a family drama in argent- uh these guy uh these Americans live in Argentina but it's still just i don't know I recommend them both very much even uh, even though that I would not say that they are um Critically adored. But.
3: All right. Cool. Totally. Cool. All right, so
0: we're just about out of time. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, be sure to read all of our shit at speakerscreens.tumblr.com. Uh, write us a nice review on iTunes because that helps with our placement. Or we are speakers slash slash screens on iTunes and any other podcasting place that you find us. Um, thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you next time.
3: Bye bye. Bye bye, bye.
0: too <laughs> all, right. All, right. Yeah. all right, uh I got to get going. So. All, all right, right, guys. All all right, I will see you.
3: All right, talk to you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye.